Welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. Um, so tonight I got my man Fig, um, another another dude that hit me up. Uh, I've never I've never spoken to him. I really don't know anything about him. Uh, this is our first time ever talking. So um, we're gonna do another episode on recruiting duty. Um, I promise all of you that are listening right now, um, I'm gonna start doing a lot more stuff. But right now, this recruiting thing is is really been uh, hitting home for me and a lot of people. I've been getting a lot of uh, requests. I've been getting. A lot of people reaching out to me and asking me for advice and other people. And um, from what I understand is it's already making, you know, making some moves out there in, in the streets. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about his his career, talk about, you know, longevity, talk about mental toughness, talk about positive attitude, keeping that positive mindset and uh, really just talking about how how Fig made it through. And um and how it helped him make it through now and and just his his advice for anybody out there, um he is a mutual friend of my uh, a friend of a friend type thing, um so without further ado, welcome man, how, how you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How about yourself, bro? It's today has been a today's been a crazy day, man. I so so real random. I'm just gonna throw this out there, right? So I don't know if you ever heard of seventy five hard, right? the the thing this dude and Fresello created it's like a so he gets mad if you call it a challenge so don't call it a challenge but and he gets mad if you call it a program so it's just 75 days straight um two workouts a day 45 minutes a day um and a gallon of water a day maintain a diet maintain a workout and then no alcohol um and then read 10 pages of a book a day um so this is my fifth time attempting because every, because if you do it, if you mess any of those up, you have you to restart. restart. Mm-hmm. So uh, the most, the furthest I've gotten, I think, was like two weeks, and um, I don't, I don't know what it was. I was listening to oh well, yeah, I know what it was. I was listening to his his newest episode, and um, which is him and this other dude, and the other dude's a uh, motivational speaker, and they were just talking about, you know, why they this guy, why number one, why he created it, and then why this guy was his guest finally did it and he was just you know being real about it and he was like listen bro and and while he was saying this shit i realized it right and it's helped me a lot with mentally and and with recruiting duty and stuff like that i've been growing a lot from it and um like from these podcasts and pretty much what this guy said was is he was like listen man i can he's like i've continued to say oh i'm gonna do it but right now ain't the time Mm. and he was like and that's the same thing with me like bro i've made I've been so many excuses as to why, oh, right now I got this going on. I got this going on 75 days straight. Like right now isn't going to be the best. And it's like, the dude's like, bro, no matter what, it's never going to be good because you're going to have a wedding. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. And he's like, that's when you got to do it is because that's when you're going to be tested the hardest. So it's just crazy because I decided today that I'm going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, whatever I hit my gym and I, I and I decided like midday that I was going to do it. So I already hit the gym. Good thing. And I was already following a diet. So I was already killing it. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get home. Right. And I'm like, all right, I got to go home. I got to get this 45 minute workout in outside just so it's done and over with. Right. And, um, as soon as I get home, I pull in the, my, I get my kids, I pull into the driveway it starts torrential downpouring. And that's the thing, too, is the outside doesn't matter what the weather is. doesn't matter. You have to do it. So it starts torrential downpouring. And then my phone starts going off and it's a tornado warning. And I'm like, and my, <laughs> my, my, and my wife, my wife is like, Doug, you're not going outside. I'm like, baby, it's freaking New Jersey. 
it we're not gonna have a tornado. So needless to say, the tornado hasn't come yet, but it torrential downpoured the whole entire forty five minutes that I was working out. And uh bro, it was good, man. It was good. And I think it was a good way to start because it it made me realize like I'm not a lot of you and I'm not near, anywhere near him. But um as I was running in the rain I was just thinking about like that David Goggins video where he's running and he's just talking about like Man, fuck yeah. the rain and all this shit. That dude's and, a beast. And I was just thinking about it, and for the first time ever, I was just like, bro, it's just reality, you know. Like God talks about storms in our life, life, and and He promises us that He'll get them through, guys, get us through. And I'm like, bro, this is like a storm. I'm running through the rain, and I know that I only got to do it for 45 minutes. So guess what? In 46 minutes, it's gonna be done. So is it really that big of a deal? And I just, that's what I kept telling myself. And it felt great to, to, to do it. And the reason why I just wanted to bring that up is just because, like, in my thought process now, four years later, after completing recruiting duty, that's what you, if the, the thing that sucks is that you cannot mentally prepare for for um, for um recruiting. No. You can't. No matter what you hear, no matter what people they tell you, you no, matter, no matter what they teach you. Like, no matter what happens, there's nothing that you could prepare for because of the simple fact that it's it's ever-changing. And, and, and that's the thing, too. And it's got to be harder to be a 12 because, like, every year it's different. Every area is different. Every – and it's and, – and that's the thing, man, is it's so ever-changing. But I don't believe that you could ever truly prepare for it. I think you just got to really every day work on your mental toughness. And I think that's a huge part that's lacking is they don't really talk about that before you go out there. Like, no, like in my thought process, that should be a class in BRC. Like, Hey, listen, we're not here to scare you. We're not here to, because if you think about it, your BRC instructors never talk about that shit. They don't tell you about how fucking dark and dirty it is out there. They just, they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just find that with them, bro. Yeah, yeah. Just find that with them. Find the you know, listen to these MC3 skills, and you're gonna be good. And it's like, listen, does MC3 work? Hell yeah. As if you do all these steps, and you, it's it's dummy proof. It really is. But mm-hmm. but it's just like they don't they don't talk about the reality of it. They don't they don't sit there and say, well, you know what? Listen, I've been on the duty for this long. I'm a twelve, and these are some of the many things that I've gone through and that I've dealt with. And mm-hmm. it's like, I think that would help out. So that's my question to you, man. Like, I know that was a long beginning, but what, <laughs> um, you know, what, first of all, how did you find yourself on recruiting duty? I, I like to ask that question only because a lot of people volunteer and then they hate their lives for it. Um, a lot of people get volunteered. <laughs> so, right. so what's your story, man? How did you, you know, and w- so how did you find yourself on the duty and what was going through your mind when you found this out? Like what happened? So I was uh, what you call that good old hiss list, you know? Okay, okay. And, um, I mean, I knew that time was coming because at that point, I think I was already at like six years in my career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's at that time where you're like, all right, I know that his list is coming out. It's probably going to be a voluntold thing. But I was okay with it because I'm like, it was – the good thing about it is they at least allowed me to deploy one more time before I went on recruiting. So I was fine. Oh, dope. What's your MOS? I'm a seventy-two twelve. I'm a lad gunner, low altitude air defense gunner. We oh, shoot down airplanes pretty much. Oh damn! Okay, yeah. Yo, before so, we before we hop into the recruiting thing, tell me a little bit yeah. about that because I've never even heard of that, and nor oh, have 
and nor have I met or talked to anybody who does that. So tell us a little bit about that because, you know, because the thing is, bro, the, the podcast is for anybody and everybody. So not mm-hmm. a lot of people might relate to the recruiting thing, but maybe they're going to relate to this. So tell us a little bit about your MOS. What, what do you do? So in basic terms, right, we're pretty much the air defense for the Marine Corps. So, you know, it's crazy because with our MOS, it's something that they've been trying to disband from like since the 90s, honestly. Because, oh, you know how it is. Like, uh, we don't need no use for y'all. Like, there's no issues with, like, air defense-wise. Like, no, you know, planes or anything like that. So, we don't need y'all. So, they've been actually trying to disband us for, like, a while. Mm -hmm. But, as you know, you or probably a lot of individuals out there have seen in the past couple years, there's been a lot of stuff with UAVs, you know, the drones, Mm -hmm. all the stuff with air-wise. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, my lad, guys, what's up? We all getting love now. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that's our primary mission is air defense, pretty much. We get attached to different units. You know, we can get attached to grunts, tanks, to, like, pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. And we get attached with them, and we do our thing. We, we, we get on convoys with them. We do our thing where we have our stinger missiles. If we need to, uh, you know, provide defense for them as they're getting pushed out, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And also, our secondary mission is we actually do security. So, a lot of the stuff, you know, it's not just air defense-wise, but we do a lot of patrols. We mm. do a lot of room clearing. We do, you know, we're very universal, honestly. And we we actually provide a lot um, with not just air defense. So, like, that last deployment and, uh, when we went out, we did actually security. So, we didn't do a primary mission, but we did our secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's, you know, essentially, that's pretty much what we do. We get too in-depth with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I was actually just having this conversation with my boy the other day. And um, he um, he's infantry. And uh, we, we, I brought up just the topic of discussion. I was like, "Yo, tell me what the what it what is this?" I was like, "I was like, do you?" I was like, "Do you get to the fleet and the first thing they tell you is, hey, listen, everyone else is a poke.'" I was like, "Is this like an?" I was like, "Is this like an indoctrination thing?" Like you guys, like I was like, "Is this a thing?" And he was like, "It depends, man." He was like, "Depends on your unit. It depends on when you get in." He's like, "You know, when I got in." you know, all these war dogs came back from deployments and they were all hella bent head, you know, hell bent on this whole poke thing. And he was like, you know, and he's like, but you know, for a lot of them, it's because like, you know, they had a friend or somebody who passed away and they say it was because of a poke or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and then me and him just got into it because like my brother, he's in the army and he, he calls me a poke all day and I'm a reservist. So of course I hear the fucking, you know, the conversation <laughs> about, you know, tampons and I'm like, bro, Get a new joke. Like, it's like, bro, I've been in the Marine Corps right. 12 years and you're still saying the same thing. But, you know, right. what? but it's, but I'm glad that you brought that up because, like, that was always my thing, man. It's like, you know, you're some, how many times have you deployed or just that one time? Uh, Two times. And we're actually set to deploy again in November. See? So yeah. you're not, you're not infantry. You've been over there. You've mm-hmm. been in the suck. You've been on patrols. You've been yep. right beside them doing all this stuff. And you're not, and it's not your job. Like, Mm-hmm. That's why that's why stuff like that like always kind of irked me because listen, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that I don't think they're badass people, mm-hmm. but I would I personally would hate my life if I trained 365 days a year for something that never happened. Uh-huh. Like I I would be tight. Like <laughs> that's like you yeah. know, like that I would be tight. Like I I understand why they're mad. Like you 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 dieted every single day for this one freaking like this physique competition and then that shit got fucking rained out and you couldn't do it. And they said, you know what? Three years from now we might. And you're like, bro, 
I just starved myself for 365 days to get mm-hmm. these rock hard abs, and I can't know I can't show nobody for like what? the yeah for what like I feel bad, but at the same time, you know it is like that that saying you know it's better for you to to have like well I forgot what it was what it is, but like it's better for you to you know have the understanding and have the know how and know how to use it than need to use it and you don't know how. So it's no, like yeah. it's like that it's like that catch twenty two, you know what I mean? But um, so so you would say you you would enjoy your MOS? It's uh yeah I do because we we do a lot of different things, but also because we get like kind of hitting that question or as far as with the grunts is like because we integrate we do a lot of integrated training, so like I I was telling you earlier like we just did the counter ID lane training that's oh yeah yeah, grunts yeah. like grunts do that there's a lot of MOS that do that so. Believe me, as you're saying this, it's funny because I'm like, man, I would not want to do this all day either. Hell, y'all mm-hmm. can have that. <laughs> yeah, bro, <laughs> you know I couldn't. I mean? No way, man. Like, I couldn't. And it, and it sucks, man, because, like, I have a bunch of friends who are infantry. And, you know, like, they're like, bro, like, I, got, well, I was on one of my podcasts. And my boy was like, yeah, I went to Norway for this, this, and the third. I was like, oh, how was that? He's like, trash. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but at the same time, like. Yeah, maybe you're not getting to use this shit, but like my boy Rasiopi, who was on the other podcast, bro, he na- I asked him, oh, well, how many places you been? He's like, bro, he named off like 30 some odd countries that he went and did training mm-hmm. at. And nice. I'm like, yeah. but now I get it because like when, when you're infantry, you're not out there enjoying the sights and shit. You're just out there training every day, especially yeah. when you got some captain or lieutenant who's like, no, nah, we're just going to train, bro, because I need to have a good fit rep. It's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, all right, man. So, so how'd you, so you got hasted. Find yourself right. on recruiting duty. What um what's going through your mind? Do you have a and also do you have a family? Do you have kids? So at the time I was single. Okay. Oh, uh, actually I was actually going through a divorce. Oh, okay. Going into recruiting school, right? And mm. so I actually did a binding request to go back home to Chicago. That's where I'm from. Born and raised okay. Chi Town, uh South Side. So I was like, my mindset going into it was like, all right, I know I got personal stuff going on, but who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But you know, I did, I made sure my biggest thing with me is like I always make sure to keep my personal and work life separate. So mm. that's why I've honestly been very successful and it led to recruiting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm going to the school, you know, I'm like I'm taking all the stuff in, learning it. I get it. But, you know, funny that you brought that up as far as them telling you that. And Yo, giving let you me, that, go ahead. sorry, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I, this is a question I've never asked before. I just thought of it. Yeah. When this was all going on, at this point in your career, were you a sergeant or a staff sergeant? I was a sergeant, actually. Okay. So at this time in your career, right, you're about to go, you find that you get hesitant, right? At mm-hmm. this at this point, at this thus far in your career, how many horror stories did you hear about recruiting duty? All of them. Okay. I honestly, I honestly so never now, heard somebody legit be like, oh, it was, you know, the, I honestly, I feel like everybody's that I've talked to, especially when you find out you're going recruiting, that's when everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, this, oh, man, that, you know, like my old platoon sergeant mm-hmm. was like, like, like that. I'm like, but you know what my response was to that even before I went to the school? Mm. Was like, okay, I get that was your situation and how mm. that happened to you, mm. but mm. but how do you know that's going to happen to me? You know what I mean? Bro. So that that's why I've always been big and looking at stuff differently because of my outcome and how I yeah. just look at stuff. And you, and you have to, man, you have to, you because, have to. because it's, and that's why I was saying this before, man, it's like, if you're, if you're a staff sergeant or a gunny out there in the fleet right now, and you've done the billet of recruiting, right. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not saying to neglect the hard times. I'm not saying to neglect, you know, the things that you got through. No, you need to talk about those things. But the problem is, is that if you're, in my personal opinion, if you're a gunny or a staff sergeant out there and you're talking shit about a B-billet like recruiting duty, then there's a, there's a leadership problem here because, because Mm -hmm. of the fact that now these junior Marines or not these, I'm sorry, these, these younger Marines, these sergeants that are now think or corporals, because sometimes that happens. I had a buddy of yeah. mine who told me he went out on the streets as a corporal, you know, and I knew a guy who went on the streets as a corporal. Like you have these young Marines who are trying to, who's, who are literally just reenlisting. They're, they just hit their first, you know, now they're in the second enlistment. And some of them have like this, this high where they're like, yo, I want to be a sergeant major. I want to be a mess of guns and I right. want to do this. And then all of a sudden they hear they get hissed and instead of hearing, oh, it's going to make or break you, it's going to change your career, it's yep. going to be a great thing, hey, devil dog, you're going to do great things out there. Instead, you hear, oh, bro, you're going to get divorced. Your wife will leave you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> hey, bro, don't get in trouble. Hey, yeah. don't do this. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, and I, like, again, it's like, I get it. Those things happen. There's bad times. I'll talk about bad times all the time. But if, if we had a better mindset just sending these Marines to BRC mm-hmm. – then maybe we would immediately have a different outcome from the jump because you already have people that sit down in that classroom. And, 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 and now I don't know if this happened to you, but you have people who are literally checking into that school on day one thinking in their head, yo, how can I get out of this? Yo, how can I get out of this? <laughs> yep. Literally. And mm-hmm. it's because it's not because of anything else, but just because of what rumors they've heard. They've already been psyched out. They've already exactly. So now, mind you, all right. So now, here's my question, right? When this is all going through your mind, you have all these negative things being told to you. What What was going through your mind? Like, how did you, you know, start BRC? How did you prepare yourself for BRC? And how was BRC? So to be honest, like I'm a smart ass, even as a sergeant. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I will I would say some slick comments. That and you know I didn't really get along with my platoon sergeant. He was trash. Mm. I'm gonna say it. he's already out. No, so I don't really care. <laughs> but my thing is, like, when he said that, like I said, when mm-hmm. he said those comments, I was like, again, this is why you're here where you're at now, and this is where I'm going to be at. It's different. Mm-hmm. And my outcome of how I look at stuff is going to be looked at differently. Mm-hmm. And, again, it just goes – and it's going into and it's going to tie in with as we continue to talk about the mental piece yeah. where I don't let stuff like that affect me because that was your experience. Your experience mm-hmm. is going to be different than mine, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. So me going into BRC – I went open-minded because, one, he was in a different area. Most of the people I talked to, they were in different areas anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, and two, I was like, I'm getting a by-name request. I'm going back home. So I honestly just took it with a grain of salt, whatever. You know, I'm not going to ignore it, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I went through the course, you know, I learned everything, you know, took it, took it in, try to apply it as much as I can. I get it. Once you get to the streets, it might be different. So I didn't have a hard time at BRC, honestly just for the fact of being open-minded and knowing that like it's going to get real once you get to the streets it's kind of like when you go to mos school it's like you learn stuff at mos school but how much do you really apply when you get to the fleet yeah (laughs) And, and, and it's also and it's also it's also hard too because you also like like there are some people that shouldn't be where they're at and um 
I think Preach. I brought. I might have brought. <laughs> I might have brought this up in the other one, but I don't remember. So if you've heard this before, you're going to hear it again and probably a thousand times. But whatever. So a buddy of mine, he's eighty four twelve, and when he uh, when he was the instructor of our staff at CUSC course, he taught us about the Peter Principle. Right? Have you ever heard of it? No, maybe we speak so so the, so essentially what the Peter Principle is is that at some point, not everybody, but some people are going to reach a level that is that's it. They cannot exceed that level, or that they're they're within a level where they've already exceeded, and they shouldn't even be at that level. Like they should be one below. But now the Peter Principle is like, hey, listen, this is the top for you. Like you you hit Gunny, and you're never gonna see beyond that. Just because of your 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 intellect, your your mentality, just certain things. So, mm. so essentially, when he brought it up, he was like, "Listen, man, like, you know, I was having this conversation with him the other day, and he's like, and this isn't just eighty four twelve. This isn't just any MOS. This is even in the civilian world, bro. There's people who are in positions that should have never been put in the position. And I and I say that <laughs> because funny. and I and yeah. I say that because like when I, I I'm not gonna say his name, but my BRC instructor. Bro, I don't know if he's still in the Marine Corps, but I'm with all due <laughs> respect, with all due respect, bro, he, in my head, I knew for a fact that this dude was only a BRC instructor because he knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. That was it. That was the only reason. And the reason why I say that is because, bro, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm the best thing in the world. I'm not saying that. But, bro, I had people coming in the classroom coming at me like, hey, listen, man, you know, you were just on the streets, bro. Yo, you were just on the streets. Can you show me this? Can you show me that? And that's why it's like, to me, it's like, I, I understand the, I understand BRC and how we have to have a basis and we got to start from a basis, right? Right. But I think, and in my mind, it's just too basic from, again, my thought process. I feel like it's way too watered down. It's way too basic. And and I feel like it could be so much better. Because if you really think about it, right? And my, again, this is my opinion, is that, or maybe this was just, just my instructor, but really for me, like I had, there was this one dude, and I'm going to say his name because this dude deserves the most recognition. And I hope, and you know, if you ever meet that person who you think is like so fucking good and you think they're this great human being, right? And you're yeah. like, bro, this guy is like the epitome of what I want to be. And then you find out years later that really that guy was not a good guy. And you're like, what? You had me fooled, right? <laughs> so, so I don't know this. I, and I, and I still, to this day, four years later, I still believe that this man really is that guy. I believe that he is, I don't want to say the epitome of recruiter of 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 being a eighty four twelve, but just the way he carried himself mentally, physically, the converse, bro. For four years of me being on the duty, I could call this dude at three a.m. in the morning and he would answer my phone call. And wow. his name was Massar Rory, and and the reason why I'm I say his name is just because of the way he held himself. Just because no matter, bro, he was. I'm not going to say he was the only instructor, but he was one of the only instructors that even when class ended at 3.30, he would sit in the freaking at the pizzeria and he would sit down and give you further guidance. He would sit down and give you further, further help on anything. You had any question you wanted to bring it to him. He would literally call. He would literally do it. He, you wanted to meet on a Saturday or Sunday, whatever. 
bro, he literally would just invest his his whole entire life and body into you because he wanted you to be that successful. And um, nice. and, he, and and one of my buddies had him as a recruiter, as a uh, it was his BRC instructor, and he ended up becoming my marine. That's how we ended up meeting. Is that I was in charge of him as an A gunner, and then I ended up being his boss. And I hit him up. I was like, "Hey, Matt Sergeant." He was like, "What's up, bro?" I was like, "I was like, Durkey was your freaking guy." He's like, "Durkey." <laughs> he was like, "Yo, how?" He's like, "Bennett." He's like, "He's like, I really want." I think he, I, I might be quoting him wrong, but he was like, "Yo, you know, I, I really didn't want to let him pass." He's like, "I, bro, if he is he that bad? Because if he is, I'm sorry." And I was like, "Not." Nah. I was like, "He's a workhorse. He's he's." I was like, you told him something, and he was like, bro, I, I gave that man. He's like, I wanted to kill him every day. He's like, but but I knew he would be good. And and my boy Durkey, bro, had two strokes and and ended up making it off the duty. Um, and now he's you know PCSing. But the reason again why I bring that up is because like, and it's not just again, it's not just I'm not talking crap about eighty four twelves. I'm not saying anything like that, but. Mm-hmm. What sucks is that there's some people that shouldn't be in positions that they're in, and then it affects from the top down, and and especially if they especially if they reach that cap where they can't go further or they don't know enough to be able to train, or they were just never good in the first place, you know, because or they got their clout from the people who worked for them, you know. There's a lot of people out there who who will take credit for work that was never theirs to take credit for. Oh yeah. And, all the time. You know, and, and, and again, it's not, it's not recruiting duty. It's the world. It's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's my question for you is like, so what kind of experiences did you have? Like, what, what, like what was going through your mind? Like when all of this, like, so you, so you said BRC was kind of easy for you. So what happened? You know, you get the, did you get the by name request or did you get screwed? No, I actually did get my by name. Okay, so it was funny seeing those uh, traveling adventures for the others, though. <laughs> <laughs> so how was um how was how was Chicago? How was, Man, how was that? Those three years felt like a lifetime, but at the same time, it felt like it happened quick. Like if mm. that even makes sense, it's weird. Well, well, that's just the way it is, man. I did four years on recruiting duty, and it's like I feel like I just walked on walked inside. Like, I feel like I just. I feel like I just checked in. Like I feel like I just graduated. Like it's crazy. It really is crazy, bro. Like when you're in it, and that's a, that's a piece of advice for you. Like if you're on, if you're in the streets right now, and you're like, bro, this shit won't end. Like, bro, it's gonna end. Like, I, bro, I hit my boy, my boy Quavos up. I hit him up all the time. He's still on the streets. He was one of my Marines, and uh, I hit him up this morning at like five thirty, and he was like, yo, why the fuck are you calling me this early? And I was like. <laughs> I was like, because Quavos, I was like, if I call you later on today, you're going to tell me I'm in the middle of an interview or you're going to tell me that you're busy. I was like, at 530 in the morning, you ain't doing shit. And le- and if you are, it's a MEPS running, you're driving in the car. So I was like, this is the only time I'll be able to hit you up and just be like, hey, what the fuck is good? So he was like, bro, you know what, I, you know what, man, I'm just fucking living, man. I'm just living. I'm trying to get over with this shit. And, and I always told him this and I still do, man. That is the worst mentality to have. If you Thanks. wake up, if you wake up every single day and you're literally just like 300 more in a wake up, 300 more in a wake up. Work like, ethic is going to be trash. Exactly. So so tell us a little bit about that, man. How did you, and, you know, talk about your work ethic, talk about your mental toughness. Like what was what was going through your mind? Like, and how did you get through it? So my first three months were terrible. It was just tough. You know, I didn't have a changeover. I don't know if you did. I didn't have a changeover nope. when I checked in. So I checked in 
the dude I replaced was gone already like two months ago. Mm-hmm. So no turnover. Great. Cool. Um, so pretty much those first couple of weeks, you know, I was just the new card. Like for the schools, I'll be like, hey, I'm the new recruiter. I don't know how how it works. I just literally played the new card. And it was the counselors and stuff were like, oh, wow, we haven't seen a recruiter in months. I was like, not apparently. So, you know, I just yeah. played the new card and it helped me out a lot because they were, you know, I want to say they played the sympathy card for me, but I knew what I was doing, though. I was just making mm-hmm. sure I got into the schools, who I needed to talk to, the people I needed to know. You know, I knew what I was doing, obviously. So I, di- I did that. And, you know, try to talk to kids and all that stuff with that good area canvassing. But my first three months, you know, it just felt like nobody wanted to say yes. Mm. It was just, it was like, what am I doing wrong? That's when you yourself, you know, you do that self-assessment. You're like, man, like, I I don't think I'm doing that bad. Like, my interview, like, there must be something I'm missing, you know? Yeah, and that's the the thing, too, is like what you say with that is that, like, that's something that I always said, and I, I don't, I think I coined it myself. I don't know if someone told me it, but in my head, I thought, I think I just said it myself, but I always used to tell people, man, you're the only part of the equation that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. So when you, like, I used to have recruiters or friends of mine be like, yo, when a kid, when a kid would hang up on them or when a parent would, you know, do whatever. And they'd be like, yo, that kid's a bitch. I'd be like, no, you're the bitch. You're the bitch. But yo, because if because right now if we're sitting here in this office, you a hundred some odd TCs, and every kid says no. Okay, well then you didn't you didn't find a disinterest. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. You missed this skill step. You missed this. So realistically, you keep saying it's this kid, but is it the kid or is it you? Like when you have all these appointments and they're all no shows, or when you have when you have all these kids coming in and you know they're not gonna they don't none of them say yes or whatever it is, bro. There's a reason why they're saying no. Is it the way exactly. you walk? Is it the way you talk? Is it your attitude? Is it your lack of care? Is it your anything? The size that you are in your in your camis, the way you look at you in your in your deltas, like there's, there's something. a thousand, there's, there's something. something, and it's not oh, and it's not that kid. Now, mind you, is it going to be that kid once in a while? But did you find the need behind the need? Did you find the why? Like, bro, there's so many reasons why it could be, and the worst the worst thing to ever do is blame it on the kid because that's the easy way out. And and it's funny because I was just talking, this dude hit me up earlier today. And this is like, bro, this is for anybody out there who's listening, bro. I don't care if you ever call me, call me a thousand times. I don't care, but do me a favor. This is the number one thing that like my number one pet peeve, right? I, I know I'm not an expert on the reserves, but I know a lot more than most know because I've been a reservist for 12 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time, Bro, let me know if you need me to help you with a kid. Let me know if you got if I got to talk to parents. Like I've been off the streets for almost a year now, but I'm alright with it. Like that's my I I want to help the Marine Corps, right? So this dude hits me up today. He's like, "Hey, Staff Sergeant, you mind if I uh, put this kid on the phone with you? He wants to talk about the reserves." I'm like, "All right, no doubt." So I start, you know, asking the questions, understanding, and asking questions about the kid and finding out more and more about him. And then I start telling him a little bit about the reserves. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Hold on a minute, I didn't feel something right." I was like, yo, do you even want to be a Marine? Because I was like, I was like, because right now, me wasting my time for me, what? me telling you this for you to not even want to be a Marine. I was like, bro, right now, it doesn't matter to me whether you want to go reserves or active duty. What matters to me is do you want to be a Marine? That's the first question. 
Mm-hmm. That's the first question because, of, and again, I don't know how you feel, but what I what you also got to understand is people have this idea in their head that the sales presentation is going to change based off of whether the kid wants to go active or go reserves. Oh, for and, sure. And see me, I don't agree with that. The reason why I don't agree with that is because of the fact that all of those tangible and intangible qualities, those 11 benefit tags, you're going to get whether you're a reservist or whether you're active duty, you're just mm. going to get it in a different way. So if you can't, so if you can't tailor the conversation and then eventually get to that point, now does the now does now mind you uh, does does some things have to change? Yes, but when it comes to enabling, when it comes to all those different benefit tags, that part of the conversation doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So uh, so when the, so I got tight because not tight because I helped the kid, bro. The kid committed to me on the phone. Well, the kid said to me on the phone, he goes, hell yeah, I want to be a Marine. I was like, bro, if you're going to call me and ask for help, this kid should already be committed. Because I'm not about to go talk to some kid for 35, 45 minutes about the reserve program just for him to tell me I got to think about it. Like, bro, I got better things yeah. to do, man. So don't so don't <laughs> call me. Now, mind you, if you need me to sell a kid, if you need me to get a kid, I got you. But at the end of the day, don't call me. If this kid's not even ready yet, like, come on, or give me some head yeah. like, hey, he's not really ready yet, but he Heads has up, questions. Right. Like, I'm thinking this kid's like about to sign the 680-2807, and he just want to know what's the difference. Like, meanwhile, you haven't even gotten to the first tag. But no, he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? Am I like, wait, the what? <laughs> yeah, am I doing your job, bro? So, um, so how was so how was Chicago, man? How was um oh, so you so, so you said in the beginning? So in the yeah. beginning, you were saying that. You know, you kind of so, you kind of use that um that card, you know, um of hey, I'm the new guy because you didn't really get that change over. But now mm-hmm. my question is, and I and I ask you this because I just had somebody reach out to me the other day. Literally, he was like, "Bro, I'm about to quit. I'm done with this shit." And then mm-hmm. I asked him, I was like, "I was like, how long have you been on the duty?" He was like, three months." And my wife, I'm gonna tell this because it's funny. My wife, I, I don't know if she just gets this from me or because of just being around me for four years on recruiting duty. My wife was listening to the episode. She goes, she goes, three months the fuck he quitting for? He just got here. And I was just like, I was like, hey, I was like, babe, you don't know what he's going through. Da, da, da. Mind you, I would have never said that years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I would have never said that. But my my so my oh, question dying. for you, my, my question for you is, <laughs> yeah. you know, at, at three months, you know, what's going through your head? Like, what's what's going through your head knowing that oh, like, it's- you're not you're not bringing shit to the table. You're not helping the team. Like, yep. and what was your team doing? Like, was no, your my team, team was like busting your it. balls or? No, my team was killing it. So, like, me and Gunny came at the same time. Uh-huh. Like, we went to BRC together, came at the same time. Mm-hmm. We weren't producing. So, it was, like, the other two doing the work. So, me, personally, I felt like shit. Because I knew mm-hmm. how it worked. You know, it's a team effort. Like, hey, bring your two to the table. So, we were making mission. But it was really them. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, after that third month, I was like, all right, man, like, like how you spoke about it earlier. I was like, there's something mm-hmm. I'm doing wrong. So I need to fix it. Mind you, the boss I had at the time, he didn't really do anything. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. So he was the, I can count on my hand how many times he helped me out with stuff during that like year he was there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm not getting anything from him. I was like, all right, I, there's something I'm doing wrong. I got to fix it. So that thought of quitting never crossed my mind only because yeah. of how I am as an individual mm. and because I don't have a quitting mentality. And 
also because going into the duty, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. So yeah. once you kind of like set yourself up, yeah, that, like, you got to man. suck. It you you're embracing it, so you're like, all right, it's gonna. Yeah, get you embrace it, bro. And that's the thing too is like that's what makes it, and that's why I, I, it bothers me, right? Because like for me, it's like I'm a reservist, bro. I'm not even an active duty marine. Like my in my head now, mind you, do I believe those things matter? No, but I say that just to say it because everybody got to mention it. But the reason why I say that is because you've been taught ingrained in your fucking head since the beginning until the end of time mm-hmm. that a Marine's a Marine and it's a mindset thing. And then all of a sudden recruiting duty happens and it's like, what? Yep. It's like, what it's is, like for instance, that? like, it's like, for instance, and I say this to my Marines all the time in the reserves, bro. I say this shit, bro. I blast people and I'm like, bro, y'all kill me. Bro, I got dudes who have like bachelor's degrees and doctorate degrees that are Lance Corporals, right? Yeah. But they'll do some of the dumbest shit. And I'm like, bro, I don't understand. Because you throw camis on and Lance Corporal Chevrons, all of a sudden you lose everything, every ounce of fiber in your being that you can do something? Like, I don't understand. But that's the same thing. Is people come on this duty and all of a sudden it's like they just don't know how to be people. But then the other thing I want to talk to about too is like you're talking about, man, like this is the thing that kills me, man, is that and I'm going to just throw this out there. I'm going to be real. And I'm, I'm already getting backlash for some of the things I've said, which I don't even think is crazy, but whatever. Here's my thing, right? I've been in the staff and CEO. I was a staff at CUSC for, I think, 14 months, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I've always found it funny. And, I, and I'm the first time I ever found it funny, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, I caught myself doing it. You know, So you know how you say things to yourself as you're growing up? And whether in in life or whether it's in the Marine Corps, or whatever, just growing up in life, you say things like, "Oh, I'll never do that. I'll never mm-hmm. do that." And then all of a sudden, a year later, you're doing the shit that you said you'd never do, right? Yeah. So I've found myself doing that, and and for me now, hindsight, looking back at it, it's 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 so truthful. So I remember my first all hand, my first staff at CRC meeting. I was an A gunner. I wasn't even I wasn't even a staff at CRC yet. Same. And um, <laughs> and and the reason why I was there is because my my gunny, who was still a close friend of mine, um, was like, "Hey, I'm grooming him. I'm grooming him up to be a staff NCO, so I want him to pre- be present just so he can see what goes on here, right?" And and so I sat there one day and I was like, "Okay." So I sat in and, and and I went to go say something, right? <laughs> and this other gunny from across the table, the ARI at the time. Looks at me and goes, shut the fuck up. I was like, well, damn. I was like, oh, what? And he was like, bro, you don't speak at the table. You're not here to speak. He's like, you're just here because your boss thought it was cool for you to be here. He's like, you don't speak. He's like, you don't speak until you're a staff and CEO and you've written like three mission letters. He was like, until then, you don't say shit. And even then, you might not. I'm like, I was like, okay. I was like, I gunny, (laughs) right? So now mind you, but now mind you, I was like, I gunny, whatever, right? So now, mind you, this dude ends up becoming one of my best friends. He still is um, because me and him have the same mentality, but a lot of things will be clashed a lot. And I think that's why he did it was because he knew how I was. And he I think he did it just more so just to be just to get at me type thing now that I know him. Yeah. And um, but now, mind you, the thing that was going through my head is, is that at the time we weren't missing, but we were like we were having a hard time as a state and the CEO at the time is asking, hey, what do we, what's going on? What's the problem? What's the problem? And 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 it persisted. And and what I've always realized in a lot of these staff and CIC meetings, all they ever do is say, oh, my recruiter this, my recruiter this, my recruiter this, this recruiter this, this recruiter this, this recruiter this. But nobody ever mm-hmm. looks at themselves and says, well, you know what? I didn't do training on Friday. And uh, I didn't do morning meetings all week. 
and um, I didn't validate appointments, and um, I, I I didn't help them with pool PT. Yeah, they and, do um, and uh, you know, I didn't do follow ups. And you know what? Actually, I, I really didn't do anything. I actually went out and got a mani pedi, and uh, <laughs> you know, I did some other shit. And yeah, yeah, I wasn't even. Oh, actually, I was even Ubering uh, on the side with my car. But uh, nah, yeah, sir. You know, my Marines. This, this is the third. It's like, bro, hold on a minute. Like, anyway, and again, I'm not saying I've never been the one to point his finger and say, well, because uh, for instance, myself. I had a get when I took over at one of the offices. I had a gap sector, sector, and I had a recruiter who, who didn't write contracts for nine months. Literally took him nine months to write one contract, and uh, he's still my boy. I, I, I love you, Quay, but uh, that's my that's my dude. Um, he's the one I was talking to this morning. Like you, my dude, you're doing all right now. It did take you two years to finally figure it out, but it's all right. But um, but the thing was is that I I failed myself because I trained I trained a lot, but I didn't train him the way he needed to be trained. And by the time I realized it, it was too late. Mm. And, and so my, my point of this is that I'll be the first person to be like, Hey man, you know, I fucked up here. I fucked up there. But what I'm saying is that if you're a staff and COIC out there, take a second and just look back because a lot of, a lot of us as staff and COs and you were a staff and COIC. So help me out here if you agree. But a lot of us just forget that bro. Like we got seven duties and responsibilities that we got to do. And a lot of times we're not doing them. Like, you know, and, and even your RI who'll get on top of you like, hey, bro, why the hell haven't you hit the freaking, you know, why haven't you put notes in the freaking interview log? You know, hey, why yeah. haven't you done this? And the reality of it is, man, you you start realizing like, yo, why didn't I call that kid back? And now three, if I had called him back at the same, the right time, maybe I could have helped it and taken off a little of my recruiter, right? So exactly. the reason why I'm saying this is like, again, it's just, we have to all collectively come together and realize, like, bro, it's a team. It's a family. And that, to me, is the biggest problem with recruiting duty is that I feel like Marines forget the part of the camaraderie, the family, and the brotherhood. Because, like, that one dude in the office who ain't doing shit, like, bro, if you were anywhere in the fleet and you just didn't do your job, there'd be a problem. And that's the problem is people have this idea that now it's okay to not do your job. No, no. For the next 36 months, bro, this is your job. Yep. Like, that's it. Like, that's it, bro. You you drew the short straw whether you wanted to be here or not, bro. You're here. Exactly. You got to embrace it. Yeah. So, like, so uh, what did you do? Like, how did you embrace it? How did you make it the best? How did you? Oh, uh, man. So. Like, what advice you got for that? So, honestly, like, like I said, biggest thing is definitely just embracing the suck. You know how we mm. say that. Yeah, it's and, the truth. You know, and just knowing that, like, hey, I'm here for 36 months. I got to make the best of it. My my biggest thing with that is like once I started figuring things out, became easier. You know, I started working the pool. The kids that I was starting to get uh, contracted, you know, interacting with them, going to the schools with them, just doing all that. You know, it became easier, and it made me enjoy the job though, because. At the end of the day, like the job, I say job because recruiting was a job. But I've always said uh, when you love doing something, it's a lifestyle now, not a job. Mm-hmm. So, and I firmly believe this. So at first it was becoming a job because it's like, all right, I got to be here. I got to do it. But once I started enjoying my time and what I was doing, it started becoming that lifestyle that I'm equipped to and what I, I'm used to doing. So that's the biggest thing is it's going to be hard. You know, those wonderful TCs, DCs, all that great stuff. Right. But. You got to realize why you're doing it. And mm-hmm. my biggest thing of why I even went to back home is, yes, to be with family, of course. You know, three years of being home, 
nobody's ever going to disagree with that. But my biggest thing of it was because that whole paying it forward mentality. Yeah, yeah. Because me being from there, you mm -hmm. know, I owe the Marine Corps a lot as much as, you know, the ups and downs and everything. But, man, I mean, I joined at 17. Mm -hmm. So for me getting out of Chicago, the South Side, and people that know how it is over there, you always hear it on the news, is mm -hmm. it was the best thing for me. So for me to even get the opportunity to be a recruiter, that's really what motivated me to like not give up also. Bro, and that's and that's the thing, man. I'm glad you brought that up, man. Is that and that was a huge driving factor for me. That's why I actually became a recruiter because like I said, I'm a reservist. But I ended up, you know, a little bit I, I don't think I've really shared this before, but um, you know, so I uh I just went out one day. I was I just got home from Afghanistan. I was sitting at a I was at a, a local grocery store and I bumped into this infantry dude, Purple Heart um, recipient sergeant, had a huge ass stack and he's like, he's like, hey man, you want to be a Marine? And I was just like, except for five, sergeant. And he was like, oh shit, what's <laughs> up, bro? And then, long story short, he puts me on the duty and he just taught me a lot, man. And the thing with, the thing that I, and again, this is, a, it's a weird thing for me, right? So I don't know if it was a, I don't, I still don't know. I don't know if it was a good thing, a bad thing, but all of the guys that I grew up around on recruiting duty when I was a Lance Corporal and a Corporal, because I did a lot of recade assistance, right? Mm. And all the guys, every one of them that I dealt with, all the sergeants and staff sergeants, just didn't give a fuck. Mm. Their mentality literally was... Now, mind you, they were killing it on the streets. They were great recruiters. They had buckets. They had bags. Like, these dudes didn't work. But it was because they, because they didn't care. So, like, my boy, um, my boy Brian... Um, this dude, he would just play games with it. He would just make games out of recruiting duty. So, like, he would go up. I remember this one time we were at Sears and um, we were in our deltas. And this dude, this dude literally walked up to an old-ass woman. He's out of the Marine Corps now. So this dude walked up to this woman. <laughs> and he says, he says, he says, excuse me, ma'am. And this woman probably, like, 59 years old or some shit. He goes, excuse me, ma'am. She goes, yes. He goes, <laughs> He goes, ma'am, I saw you put that in your pocket. I saw you steal that blouse and put that in your in your in your pocketbook, ma'am. I'm gonna need you to come with me to security. And the woman goes, "What? I didn't steal no 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 blouse." And she's like bugging out. She's like, "I didn't steal no gosh dang blouse." And she's like bugging out like this little old white lady. And um, and my boy just like, "Ma'am, I'm gonna need you to come with me to security." And I'm like, I'm just sitting there like a Lance Corporal, like, "Yo, this dude's not doing this." I'm like, "He's not doing this right now." And then sure enough, like he goes, like he didn't go to grab her, but he goes and he pulls out his wallet. He's like, "Ah, ma'am, I'm just a local Marine Corps recruiter. You know anyone that wants to join?" And she's like, "Get the hell out of my face!" <laughs> and like, bro, so this she go, and he would just do this, bro. He would pull up. He'd be in the community college parking lot. He would pull up to people like, "You just got out your car." He yeah. would pull up. He would he would close his door. He would get out of his car and be like, "Hey, hey, man!" And the person would be like, "Yeah, can I help you?" Or a female, he'd be like, "Hey, excuse me, miss." And they'd be like, "Yeah, can I help you?" He'd be like, he would like hit his his hand on his leg, and he'd be like, "Why, why you gotta do this to me?" And they'd be like, "What?" And he'd be like, "You're parked in a handicapped spot. You didn't see that big blue head dude in a handicap chair? Like you didn't see this dude in a wheelchair? Like you just drove right over him?" And the, and they're like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, you. Part, I'm gonna have to give you a ticket. And then the person's like, no, 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 no. I'll just move the car. And my boy's like, all right, you can move the car. And then they'll get in the car, they'll move their car, they'll back out, and they'll realize they were never in a handicap spot. <laughs> and then he'll just walk away. And bro, dude, it's funny that's, as hell. That is, you, 
out of the box. Because he, so he would just, but the reason why he would do that is because now it would draw attention. And now that and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't try to recruit nobody. He did it to a lot of guys. And what he would do is now like a couple of days later, he'd be back in the same property. And now those kids would come up to him and be like, yo, that was you the other day, huh? And he'd be like, yeah, bro, I was just messing with you. And then they would just start talking to him. Mm. And that was it. And and it was the same thing, like with me, like you know, I like someone was asking me the other day, you know, about area like area canvassing and how do you do it? Like, what are your tips and tricks? I'm like, first of all, bro, I talk to everybody and anybody about anything. Like, I'll bro, I'll walk by somebody and be like, hey man, you dropped your pocket, and then I'll just keep walking. They'll be like, wait, what? And I'll be like, you didn't see you just dropped that shit back there? And they'll be like, wait, what is it? Where is it? I'm like, bro, it's over there in the street by the curb. And they'll be like, wait, what? What? And then I'll just be like, nah, I'm playing with you, bro. But hey, have you ever thought about being a marine? And I'll just mess with them, bro. And and then they start laughing. They realize that I have a sense of humor. And then we just start going off the cuff. And we're just talking about, you know, what do I do? And shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the thing, man, is you got to make it fun, bro. If you go exactly. out there, it's if you go out there every day and you got the same routine, you know, all right, well, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's not going to be good. And this isn't the third. And you don't enjoy it. Then people aren't going to love you for being you. Like when you go and meet educators, you know, you're doing a freaking, I don't know why I said it like that, but when you go to talk to educators and you're doing a class talk, if you're freaking stiffer than freaking Stiffy McGee over here and you're not making people laugh and no shit, personality. if you ain't got no personality and you're like, hi, my name is Sergeant so-and-so and I fly planes in the Marine Corps, like you're going to be like, bro, what? And then the teacher's going to be like, bro. Do me a favor and never come never back. Never come back. <laughs> like, yo, don't even come into school. Like, I don't need you. But now, mind you, if you're like my boy Ray, like my boy Ray, dude, this dude would walk in every day. He, I was like, yo, so I did the first class. I did a great talk. And then he was like, yo, how am I going to follow up with that? I was like, I don't know, man. Like, you got to have an attention gainer. He's like, all right, word. Dude walks in the class, does a backflip. And he's like, so what's going on, guys? And he's just starts <laughs> going off the car. I'm like, yo, this dude just do a backflip? The dope. <laughs> and, and, yo, and he just killed his class, bro. But um, but that's the thing, man. So here's a question for you, exactly. Ralph. What was your um when you figured it out? Yeah. What was your day to day battle battle rhythm? Like what what was it looking like, especially in Chicago? So for any Chicago guys out there, I know you. How long ago did you PCS? Man, recently, man. I actually just oh okay, so you, oh okay, so you were just dealing so, with the whole COVID thing. So, yeah. That's, so yeah. all right. So then here's the question for you. What what is some what is something that you would you would suggest, you know, hey, you, so this is for all the guys out there in Chi-Town. What, what did you do? What was your battle rhythm and how did you, you know, because you were successful enough to become a staff in SC, right? Right. Okay. So, you know, what was going on there? How did, what was your battle rhythm? How did you make it through? Like, what was some good stuff that you learned and uh, figured out by the time? So, like, once, like, like we spoke about already, like, once I got it together, figured it out, it got easier. And... Before I touch on that, I want to tell you like how I did it when I went. To oh yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, cause I don't like wasting time either. You know, I want to know like what you know, what grade you are, how old you are. So mm-hmm. my thing when I would roam the halls, like I had one, like two of my schools that they didn't care. You know, roam the halls like like if you're a part of the security. Yeah, so yeah. the way I would get them, I would just be like, if they're walking, you know, it's after the bell or something, I'll just be like, man, you must be a senior already because you own in these halls, and they just laugh. Yeah, you're like, oh, haha, how'd you know? Or blah blah, and boom, I already know he's age qualified. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? so uh, you, yo, you I know, never thought about that. 
yeah, I'd just be like, oh man, you looking comfy in them slides, man. You must be, you must be a senior. You know, I would just same way. You you gotta make it fun. Like that way at the same time, you already they already know you're in uniform. They know what you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. So it was a it was a great way to just like break the ice and then feel comfortable, honestly. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would just do stuff like that that was, yeah, like how you would do, like out of the ordinary, and it would just make them not feel awkward around you. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do stuff like that. You know, I love going ACing because you were able to meet people. You were able to, you know, waste a lot of, not waste a lot of time with making sure they were qualified. You know, with like tattoos was such a big thing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So my battle rhythm as I got better you know, this is the good thing about recruiting and how it should motivate individuals out there that are currently doing it to uh, push harder. Because once you have that good rhythm, the boss is not going to mess with your schedule. Because if you're doing your two appointments, you know, you're saying yep. range, they're not going to question your SNR. You know what I mean? Bro, you're not, bro. You're not wrong, bro. The only That's- time, bro, the only time people are in your shit is when you're not doing something right. Only and, time. And guess what? That not doing something right is not right in contracts. I've never, I've never had an ARI or an RI bother me when I was writing twos, threes, and fours. And yeah. even, even when I wrote that one, it was like, all right, well, last month you had four. Like, it's not a big exactly. deal. Like, you, you killed it last month. All right, now what are you doing? Now, mind you, like you said, it, it really is a huge part of that is just, you know, getting, getting that, you know, um, getting that understanding of okay hey what's going on and how can i be better and how and getting to understand it quick because like you said like for instance myself like i I, in my personal opinion i think it takes anywhere from from like seven to nine months for you for you to really figure out what it is that you know it it is to be a recruiter like what do you think yeah i agree because you know there's some that get it right away good for them right some of us have to take a couple months or whatever, but we figure it out. But, I mean, because when you're hitting, like, that nine-month eval, like, you should be knowing. You know what I mean? You're going to know more than enough. You're going to have experience. You're going to know your area. So you should have things handled as far as, like, all right, I know what I need to do to be successful. Like, the successful tour is starting to hit. You know what I mean? So it makes it easier. So, mind you, with that is, like, going with the battle rhythm of, like, it, it's going to really pertain on your area. During that time period as you're trying to get better, you're going to know the places to go. Your pool should help you. And, you know, you get good with your pool. You take care of your kids. They take care of you, honestly. I was big on that. And once you – that's going to help you with, you know, your battle rhythm of, like, knowing where to go, the schools to hit at what time, you know, the games to, to hit and stuff like that. And it's just going to tie in with just enjoying your time out there because you don't feel like you're working because, you know, essentially they're working for you without you even trying. And – my, and again, with the whole SNR, like how your daily schedule, you know, you've got it, you know, what motivated me is I would have my gym time in the middle of the day. Like my gym time was like from 12 to 1 or 1.30. But it, I would work out, but, but I was still getting appointments, though, because it was easy to talk to them because, you know, they're fit. You can see if they're qualified because, you know, most of them got muscle shirts or something. So like, oh, he ain't got, he ain't got no tattoos out of regs, you know, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes a lot of them wear like school T-shirts or like you know sports shirt, and I'll be like, I was and I was I was talk smack. I'll be like, "Oh, you in the football team? That's crazy. I didn't see you last week." And they'll be like, "Ah, oh, well, that's like you know." So you you kind of put them on the spot, but again, it just goes back to how you're breaking that ice. And I would get a workout in, but I was still getting my two appointments, you mm-hmm. know. So it's it's really more just 
biggest thing is knowing your area, getting to get accustomed to it, what works for you. And at the same time, if it doesn't work during that one month period or, you know, that you schedule stuff, you switch it up. Because mm-hmm. if it didn't work, that means going back to how about the interview, something they're not saying yes. All right. Something that I'm doing wrong. That ties in with how you schedule your stuff. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working for you, switch it up, man. You'll see how, oh, man, I was doing this at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. Now, this month, I'm doing it during this time period. Oh, man, what a difference. Well, so, that's, and that's and that's like I was saying before, man. It's good that you're bringing it up, but it's the truth, man. Like, bro, if something ain't working, fucking fix it. Now, mind you, listen, I'm not, I'm going to be, I'm going to put my staff in Sioux. I see hat on over here. <laughs> um, I'm not telling you to start going off of your SNR. And to do some crazy shit, have a sit down and talk to your staff and COIC if you're a recruiter and say, hey, listen, staff sergeant, you know, I've realized that this, this and the third hasn't really been working out for me. Is it okay with you if I switch that up and I do this, this and the third? The reason why I want to do that is because blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you to go out there tomorrow and all of a sudden do some off the wall shit that you've never done and and then tell the freaking tell your boss that, hey, I was listening to Benny's podcast and he freaking told me to go do this. Like, <laughs> I don't need you doing that shit. But, you know, but we're, what we're doing is we're sharing different stories and that's good because, mm-hmm. you know, like, for instance, um, another thing too is what I used to do, and this is another thing my boy used to, my, my boy Brian taught me, is um, what he would do is he would go to, bro, you, you, you're you going to be in the same area for three years. Right. You're not going anywhere else. So you're going to be in you the become same. become a boss, obviously. Exactly, yeah. But you're going to be in the same Nine times out of ten, you're going to be in the same AO, and you're not really going to change. So what are you going to do every day? You're going to go to the same places, bro. You're and and what and what's funny is in in the three or four places that I was either a recruiter or a boss at in Jersey, nobody uses these take one stands, bro. You're stupid, to say that, bro. You're bro. stupid if you don't use a take one stand. If someone's allowing you to do that, that means they support the military, right? Right. And then on top of that, it's just free advertisement, bro. Especially if you're in an area that doesn't have any billboards. And how hard is it for you to just check it? And then what check happens, else. though, is that you – even myself, I would put it in in this bagel spot and I would forget about it. And then a couple months later, it would have, like, the navies and shit in it. And I'd be like, oh, god dang. And the woman would tell me. She'd be like, oh, yeah, it went really quick, but then you never came back to refill it. So I yep. was like, oh, man. So now that's why you have, you know, that in the system on the list scheduling card. You have that contact card because you're supposed to call that bitch and say, hey – do you need mm-hmm. some more of those? Exactly. You know? And that's the problem is nobody uses McCris for what McCris is intended for. Now, the other thing, too, is, is what my boy Brian would do, though, is he would he would go to like Walmart, whatever, at the same store every day. And here's what he would. So here's he's something toy he taught me. Right. So say he wanted to get like a candy bar, a drink and whatever else. Right. Or say his wife or a girlfriend at the time needed him to get groceries. Right. He would go, he would take his list of groceries and he would he would break it down into five different stores. So he would get mm-hmm. something from every single store. So he wasn't gonna get everything in one store because then he's a one-stop shop. Or he would buy shit just to return it tomorrow. Because a lot of stores are like, hey man, you can't keep coming in here in uniform. But if you show them a receipt, or if you show them a bag, you're like, bro, I'm a customer. I bought something yesterday, I just had to come and return it. Right. And now, if you're just talking to that person, like, bro, I would do the same thing too. I would walk up to people and, and you know, in Best Buy, and I would be like, "Yo, so, bro, I got the iPhone, and I really need a new pair of headphones." And I would have this dude waste like three minutes on some like presentation about headphones that I wasn't gonna buy. 
And then I would be like, yo, really? They're that dope? And he'd be like, yeah, bro, they're sick. And I'd be like, bro. And then I would look at him and be like, bro, I was never going to buy those. I was really just trying to talk to you about the Marine Corps. And he'd be like, yo, for real, dog? I'd be like, yeah. But I'll leave you a great <laughs> review. I'll tell you, your boss, you're doing, you're doing great things. But like, do you really want to be here forever? And he'd be like, nah, bro, I hate this job. I'm like, yo, so what are we talking about? Right. So, and that's it. You just, you just bring up the conversation off, off the cuff, just talking about whatever. But then that, that's, the, that's the advice for ACing. Like, you for can't sure. really. And then the thing, so now talking about ACing, right? I mean, um, TCing. The advice for TC, number one, if you're making 30-some-odd phone calls in an hour, you need to either switch up your list. And again, again, make sure you're asking your staff in COIC, hey, is this cool with you? You know, if it's on your SNR and you can go off the SNR, make sure you're asking somebody. Don't be doing all willy-nilly shit on you, even though they say it's an individual duty, but <laughs> you get in trouble yeah. for doing shit on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but now my thing is, my thing is, is that you gotta you gotta switch things up. You know, I switch a list, switch whatever. And then another thing is, don't take advice from everybody. The reason why I say that is because you'll have hella people who say, "Bro, that school sucks. Nobody joins it at that school." Meanwhile, yep. dude's never been in the school because the recruiter exactly. before him told him the same thing. So you got to find some stuff out on your own. Now, when it comes to the TC game, try to, like, once I knew I got good was when I could keep parents on the phone that weren't interested. Mm-hmm. If you if you're, if you can TC, the way that you find out if you can TC is if you can keep a mother engaged who's completely uninterested, but you start finding out facts and information. <laughs> about their kid for sure yeah because you would now you're like on because once you can do that man you've you've mastered the tc and now i don't know about you but i love that feeling when i'm on the phone with a mom and i get it flipped and then she's like you know what i will give you johnny's phone number mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you find out johnny's like this big prick who's a horrible person and you're like that kid was never gonna join and but it's the like mom was nice. Yeah, but the mom was finally like, you know what? And it's like, bro, you yeah. get, it took you forty five minutes for you to give me a kid with tattoos with with wrist tattoos. Like, come on, ma. But yeah. but um, so what what um what other things worked for you out out in Chicago, man? Like, how how is recruiting in Chicago? Like, I feel like I feel like you could get like a thousand ta- like a thousand pack cards, but they're all disqualified. For sure, either disqualified. Be- tattoos was the biggest thing, for sure. It was tattoos and. You know, that good old ASVAD. Mm. CPS system in Chicago is trash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really affects a lot of the young individuals, which is unfortunate. So, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with just recruiting. You know, it's not even that, but it's just, it lets us know, like, how the system is failing us, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, to not trying to get on a deeper route with that, but it just shows a lot, though, where it's like the Chicago public system, you're like, man, come on, man. Because, you know, ASVAB is 10th grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was bro, definitely- it is, bro. That's that's something that yo. If you're a civilian listening to this, bro, yeah, I'm just telling. I'm I'm just letting you know. Like when you sit here and you tell me that your son is this beautiful honor roll student, and then that dude come in the office and get a three, like, yo, Single it's digit. a te- bro. It's a tenth grade reading level test, and I'm telling mm-hmm. you right now, I am nowhere near a scholar. A scholar. I am Same not here. a scholar. <laughs> but I'll tell you this one thing, bro. I won one day random as fuck. I was like, you know what, bro? Because I had a kid, bro. I had three back-to-back kids literally get sixes. It was like a six, a three, and a one. And I was like, and finally, I was like, hold on. I was like, you know what? I haven't touched this test in 12 years. I was like, I'm going to just take it just to see what happens. So I literally just took the East, no scratch paper, 
on a whim and I and I got a 33. And and I didn't even try. Like I literally didn't even try. I didn't even scratch paper. And it's been twelve well, fourteen years since I've done sophomore algebra and math and reading. So mm-hmm. like to me, I'm like, bro, how how can these kids be seniors and or graduates or dudes who have bachelor's Early in degree? School. Bro, yeah. or dudes who have bachelor's degrees. Man. Like that's my favorite when someone walk in the office, yo, yo, I don't need the Marine Corps dog. I got a bachelor's degree. Okay, we'll take this test. Oh shit, I failed miserably. Oh no shit, dude. Hey, like, what does this single digit mean? Yeah, Whoa. like what? yo, did I do good? Matches like, your yo, 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 funny ass shit, right? So <laughs> I never forget this shit. So my boy Mo, my boy Mo was a brand new recruiter, right? And um I was I was his A gunner, and it was um it was a couple months into him being on the streets. And he did his job. You know, he had this kid come in for an appointment. But the mom came in and the mom was being mad disrespectful, like from the jump. Like the moment she walked in, like all stuck mm-hmm. up and like my son yeah. doesn't need to be here type thing. And I was so I put the kid on the practice test. I'm, I know I go to put the kid on the practice test. And the mom's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, he has to take a practice test. I explain it. She goes, no, he doesn't. I'm like, ma'am, it's part of the policy. I was like, if, if, if your son's going to be here and you're going to be here. You know, I got to put him on the test because we got to know if we can pass. Well, he's already going to Monmouth University, and he has phenomenal scores. He did really good in his SATs, and he doesn't need to take your practice test. And I was like, okay, ma'am, well, if that's the case, if you're not going to, you know, help me out here, I can't just let him talk to us. I was like, we like anybody else, you know, like a car, a car dealership, we got to do a background check. We got to do a credit, a credit check. I was like, and your son has no credit with me, so he got to take a test. I got to find out if he's smart, or maybe he's just not qualified to be a Marine. And she was like, oh, whatever, let him take it. So then I sit down next to her on the couch. And I'm just like, ma'am, you know, if you don't mind me asking, I'm like, what's going on? Because, you know, you seem like you're really agitated about even being here right now. And, you know, is there something wrong? Is there something that I can help with? Like, you know, I really want to be able to help you and your son. I don't really know what the problem is. And she's like, you want to know what the problem is? She goes, my son doesn't need to be anything like you. He doesn't need to be here right now. There is no reason for my son to be here. He's going to go and he's going to be a politician and he's going to work at Monmouth University. He's already got a full ride there. He, I don't know why he's even in this room. I don't know why we, he dragged me out here. And I was like, okay, ma'am. I was like, well, then let me ask you a question, ma'am. I was like, so why are you here then if you don't want him to be here? Well, I'm here for support. And I looked at her and I was like, hold on, ma'am. I was like, I- I'm a father. And I was like, I got to ask you a question. How in any way do you feel you yelling and belittling the military, what your son's saying he wants to do, is supportive? And she was like, that's not, that's not the, we're not here to talk about me. So she gets all, like, yeah. keeps, so, she, so yeah. she keeps just keep going, right? And I just flipped it, right? And she's like, wow, he, he just got me, right? But I'm a yep. dumbass, right? So I'm like, I'm like, all right, whatever, man. So I just keep talking to him, like, how are you? You know, asking her questions about her and her family and, you know, where's dad at and all this stuff, right? And all of a sudden, like, you know, 20 minutes goes by and, and the test is done. And I'm like, hey, Mo, go, go, go see what he got over there. So Mo goes over and he just looks at me and he just gives me this big old smile and he, and he starts, he just starts, you know, shaking his head right to left, right to left. And I'm just like, hmm. And she goes, what? I was like, well. Ma'am, looks like your son didn't pass. So he's actually really not that smart and he doesn't qualify to be a Marine. So you're in luck. You can leave now. And she goes, what? <laughs> she goes, what? I was like, yes, ma'am. Your, your son just failed a sophomore level test and he can't be a Marine. You're in luck. That's exactly what you wanted, right? 
And this kid, bro, literally starts bawling. He literally is like, I really wanted to do this. And I'm like, listen, man. And I tell him straight up. I'm like, listen, man, we'll help you. We'll do whatever we got to do. I was like, I can give, you know, I can help you out. Um, I can't really, you know, study with you or whatever. But I was like, I can talk to your teachers. I can get you, you know, get some guidance counselors to help you out because you can't, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to help anybody pass the ASVAB. That is against yeah. the rules. Just mm-hmm. so y'all know that. So if you're out there doing that, that's not okay. Don't do it. Go yeah. ask some guidance counselors for some help. Say, hey, listen, I had this kid, you know, hey, I have this kid who wants to be a Marine. And guess what? When you have a guidance counselor help a kid pass the ASVAB and you have her teach him, that what does that do for the school? It gives them a good rep and it also helps you in that school showing the people that you care for this kid, right? So sure. so I had this conversation with the kid. I was like, listen, man, go out there, do this, this, and the third, you know, and come back. And I follow, and I told him, I'm going to follow up with you, man. And I was, and I'm right in front of his mother. I was like, listen, man, you got to understand one thing. He said, what's up? <clears throat> I said, sometimes no matter what you want to do in life, it's never good enough for your parents. And I was like, straight out, I was like, so I was like, bro, your mother, your father, whoever the hell it is, might not ever want you to do this. But guess what? You're your, you're a, your own man. And you know what it is that you have in your heart that you want to do. And I was like, so you go and do it. And at the end of the day, it's your life. It's not your mother's. It's not your father's. Because if you hate, the, if you hate <clears throat> Monmouth University and you hate politicians and any of those things, you know, <laughs> then whose life is it, bro? And he was like, nah, you're right. And the mom, bro, the mom just walked out in a hurry. She freaking slammed the door and shit. I was like, okay, well, have a good day. Like, but nah, man, like, that's oh, man. the that's the thing, man. Is it, it see? And, that's the tough part about recruiting, though, too. Is and like, no one talks about it. No one talks about that. That's the tough part. Is like you gonna have these parents sometimes mm-hmm. that like you have that young man, young woman that is really interested, but the parents totally against yep. it. But they they quote unquote support, but they give you an attitude. And here we are trying to be like that. Hey, let's let's bring that temperature down. Like you had a mm-hmm. ten, bring, you know what I mean? Because. We, we're the professionals and everything, but, you know, it's very disrespectful how sometimes they come to us mm-hmm. or, or even on the phone, like you're talking about TCs, like, and you're just like, ma'am, sir, I'm just doing my job. My job is to talk to every individual from this school to make sure they're even qualified or seeing what their plans are after high school. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's all I'm doing. I'm not having them sign up. I'm not doing that. But what I would finish it with, too, would be like, look. I'm sure you would love to not hear from me again. And the only way that's going to happen is if I have the ability to talk to them because I would tell them this stat because people oh, bro. love stats. Yep. I would be like, you know, to be honest, eight young individuals are not even qualified. Mm-hmm. I know it's a made-up stat, but when you hit people with stats, it catches your attention. Oh, yeah, because then they want to <laughs> be like, hold on a minute. I want to know if my son's qualified. Exactly, because you're or, like... Or you tell them what I used to tell them. I'd be like, listen, sir... Or my boy Romaine used to tell this shit. He'd be like, sir, I'm going to call you back tomorrow. And I'm going to call you the next day. Because if I don't speak to your son, like, I have to. He was like, listen, sir, there's a thing called the no No child child left behind behind. that. And in order for your son to get taken off of this lift, I got to talk to him. So until he gets taught, until I talk to him, he's going to be on this list. And I'm going to keep calling. And then when you don't answer that phone, I'm going to find your your cell phone number. And I'm going to call that phone. (laughs) Because I got to get a hold of your son. And then I might even show up at your door because I got to get a hold of your son to tell him about these great scholarships. So if you don't mind, can you just put him on the phone right now? <laughs> or or, he, or he'd or he be like, bro, he would say some other shit. He'd be like, what else would he say, yo? He would be like, um, oh, man, my boy Romain used to say some funny stuff, bro. He'd be like, um, 
Oh, I can't even remember, bro. But we used to get people hard body. And here's something that I'm probably get in trouble for, but I don't know. I hope I don't get in trouble for it. I just think it's funny. So you ever play um at the see for me, the way that I stayed sane on recruiting duty was I made games, right? So the <laughs> first the first game I'm I made up was you ever see that movie um Super Troopers? Yes. You know how they play the 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 meow game? Right now, oh, yes, bro. I would literally sit there and I'd get on the phone with some parent and I would literally try to see how long I could stay on the phone with them and see how many meows I could get oh, on no, a phone call. Bro, I got up, <laughs> no lie, bro. I got up to 175 meows in one conversation. What and my boy, and yo, and that was good too. And I would make them say it. I'd be like, So, right, I'd be like, Okay, so right, meow, you don't think your son's interested, man? And the chief would be like, No, not right now. Not right like, meow. <laughs> and then I would be like, I would be like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't hear you. So you said right meow. He's not really about it. And she'd be like, no, just not right meow. And I would be like, okay. I'll be like, all right, ma'am. Well, I'll be like, you know, listen. So, and then she'd go to hang up the phone. But ma'am, I have one more question right meow. And I'd be like, so, you know, so meow's not a good time. But have you ever thought about, and then she'd go, I would get them hard body. And then, um, and then we ended up playing this game. Oh, and my God. Marines would get tight at me, right? So my so I don't this dude from another office created it and it was called TC Bingo. And and what you would do is you would make a bingo board and mm. then every box had a different thing. Okay. So one box would be um parent hangs up and you could get it, right? Um, but the thing was is that every box had a different goal. So like parent hangs up, um, parent curses you out. Parent says, thank you for your service or parent says, thank you for your service, but not my son. So then the thing was, though, is that like, so say, say you had a conversation with somebody, right? And like, say me and you're on the phone and I say to you, the first thing I say is my son's not interested. And that's one of the boxes, right? Right. If I say my son's not interested and then I say three more, none of them count because you can only get one in the conversation. You can't get more. And then you also, I, what I used to do, and my boys ended up catching me, is I would get people to say what I wanted them to say. I'd be like, "Oh, so so you're not interested right now?" And they'd be like, "No, we're not interested." I'd be like, "Ah, I got to be." And <laughs> <laughs> but I would just put them in there. But yo, we bro, and then wow, with the, that's and then creative. and then what the prize was is you the whole office would just chip it for like a bottle of Jameson or whatever, and then you know whatever. So there was always a prize, or like, or we would do like the same game, but you had to get an appointment or you had to get however like or like one of the um one of the boxes was interview or what one of the boxes was appointment and then one of the boxes was three pack cards so like there was still something you had to do but it just made it more fun because now you're all <laughs> playing a game to make phone calls like especially on like a rainy ass day when it's disgusting mm-hmm. out like we just yep. made we, we made fun of it bro and, and then you, uh, you have to do shit like that, honestly, because yeah, TC's winner itself. You already know bro, how bad you are because you're calling parents ninety nine percent of the time. Bro, you get like a thousand no's, and then when you get oh. a yes, it's some kid who can't even. He's a paraplegic. Yeah, like the kid's like, yeah, I would love to, but I don't have legs. Oh, okay, all right. So when do you think you have legs? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bro, Sounds come bad. on, man. I'm not, and I'm sorry. Listen, if you don't have legs out there, like. More yeah, to you, but, about, right? but um, but not, nah, and that's the thing too, man. Is that like, you know, it, it sucks. That's like really random, but that's the shit that always killed me on recruiting duty, man. It's like there's people out there that you meet that would do anything in this life to be in the Marine Corps or any branch, and mm-hmm. then and and they can't, 
and they can't. Like I had a kid, bro, one time. I asked this kid all the screening questions, bro. I swear to God, like I asked this kid all the screening questions, and he was a seventeen-year-old kid, and he's like, "Hey, uh, sir, I want really want to be right, right off the cuff on the phone." He's like, "I want to be a marine." I was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "All right, man." I was like, "But you're seventeen, right?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "But I can bring my guardian and my grandma." You know, he she has all the ability to sign for me. Like this kid came ready to go. Prepared. Like this dude was like, "Sir, I have." He knew everything. Like this kid did all the research. <coughs> so I'm talking to the kid. He comes in the office. And I felt like there was something wrong with this kid. Like, I felt like there was something it's wrong. too like, good to be like, true. That's what it like, is. No, no, no. I just, like, I had this, like, overwhelming feeling in my body that there was something, like, this kid wasn't telling me. Mm. So, so I'm talking to the kid. I'm talking to the kid. And then uh, I put him on the east because I asked him all the screening questions again right in front of grandma. I was like, all right, well, if he's lying to me, he's going to tell me in front of his grandmother. So I asked him all the screening questions again. And, and he's like, nah, there's nothing wrong with me, sir. And I was like, okay. So, so he put, so I put him on the practice test. I go sit back down with grandma and I'm like, so I'm like, so what's going on, ma'am? I was like, how are you? She goes, so he didn't tell you. I was like, he didn't tell me what? And she goes, he's severely autistic and he has down syndrome. And I was like, what? I was like, there's no way. Like I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, there's no way this kid has like, there's no way I'm like, there's, he must be highly functioning because there's no way. This kid, I felt it just because I felt it. But like, you would literally look at this kid and have no idea that this kid literally was on some sort of spectrum. So, so I'm talking to the grandma, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, on the way here, I, you know, I was battling with myself because I, I really didn't want to tell you, and I knew that he wouldn't tell you. And but then as we were talking, and, and she was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want him to lie about something, and then eventually it hurts him in any way." And and I was like, well, ma'am, I'm I really appreciate you coming and telling me that. And she was like, but please don't tell him. Don't tell him I told you. So I'm like, all right. So I gotta go break this kid right now. Like I gotta go somehow get this kid to tell me what's going on. I'm like, I'm not gonna throw grandma under the bus. So bro, I, so the worst. So then the next thing, I go in there and I check this kid's freaking ASVET. This kid's practice test. This kid got us 97 on the practice test. Oh. So I'm like, bro, this kid killed the practice test, but now I gotta go tell this kid that he literally can't join the military because he has a, a mental disorder, he has a stigma. Uh, and and I'm just like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey. So I just started talking to him. I asked him more questions, and I'm like, listen, man, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I was like, I I just feel like from our conversation, I feel like there, there's something you're not telling me, man. I was like, you know. Every time I talk to you and I, I say certain things, you kind of look away and it takes you a minute to gather your thoughts and come back at me. I was like, are you sure you, you know, you've never had like speech therapy or whatever? And and this is another piece of advice for people. Y'all got to ask questions like, bro, I had this kid the other day, bro, my boy just hit me up. This girl went to MEPS and she told the doctor at MEPS that she drank, that she drank. She's 19, so now she has to get a psych consult. It's like, bro. Oh, good luck with that. It's like, yo, for for a beer. And it's like, yo, I'm not telling you guys. I'm Listen, be honest. Be honest people, right? Be honest brokers. But I'm just saying, like, there's certain things that you got to, you got to make sure that you were. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is, asking those questions is, you don't want to hear the answer. You don't want to hear the answer, or it's so hard. You're afraid of what they're going to say. And then at the same time, it's just, bro, you got to remember, and this is coming from a place of love for anybody out there, like, you got to remember that no matter what you're doing, you're putting someone in the military, in a, in a war fighting organization right. that at some point could be put in a position 
<clears throat> in any capacity and you don't know what they're doing. So you have to do yourself due diligence and them and their family. And you got to ask those questions because God forbid one day you didn't ask the question and you find out this kid actually had something wrong with him. And now this dude's dead or now something happened to somebody else. And it was something that you could have prevented. It's somebody that shouldn't have ever been in the military. <clears throat> and, and you hear these stories, bro. So, yeah. so you really got to take the, you know, take generating that pack seriously, take asking those questions seriously because at the end of the day, there's there's medical waivers for a freaking for a reason. You know, you have the Doty, you have you know these medical processes for a reason. You have BUMED, you have these things for a reason, um, bro. I had this one kid, um, this dude Al Terizio, bro, um, bro. This kid came in, no lie, probably three four years in a row. Every time a new recruiter would come in, he'd come in, and they everyone would tell him, Nah, bro, you can't join. Nah, bro, you can't join. Nah, bro, you can't join. And he had a, a lot of medical issues, right? This kid's mom, my boy Santana, ended up putting him in the Marine Corps after four four different recruiters over four or five years, bro. Everyone would just keep telling him no. And they never submitted his shit. They just kept telling him no. So eventually, <clears throat> his mom, his mom started reading the Doty. His mom started going through the MEPS manual. His mom got every wow. literally, literally, his mother was like, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna get my son in the Marine Corps. And no lie, his mother was the one who went like to Bumed with my boy Santana. And they they literally, and it took like he had to get mad, like see, I think like CG level waivers, like, but they got but literally because of his mother and because of my boy Santana and all the hours, like papers and papers and papers. And then after he finally joined. Kid's mom called me and she was like, hey, listen, when I was a recruiter, she called me and she was like, listen, if you ever need me to go through medical documents or if you ever need me to help you finding or getting a hold of things, she goes, I work with the VA now and I have really good connections so I can actually help you get those documents so I can help you, you know, help those people get in. Because a lot of times we think they're disqualified, but they're really not. It's just mm. about something that another piece of paper or a letter that we needed. And that's the thing, man, is that it's crazy. You, have so, you have so many recruiters out there who just don't know enough about the process of these medical conditions or whatever it is. And instead of wanting to work them, and I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I, I didn't, I never did. I never did because the way, the way that I saw it was, listen, bro, I can get four more contracts before one, before one. Before all your up. stuff gets clear. I, I would, I would I mean, just be like, bro, I'm going to just go find four more. If you told me there was something wrong with you, I'm not going to lie to you. I literally would just be like, all right, bro, I'll call you. And I never called you. Because I would just be like, you know what, man, I can get four more by the time I even get your shit started, you know. So I'm, a, I'm, a, that's what, that's it. But <laughs> it's honest, though. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that because realistically, now when I became a staff NCIC, I understood, hey, it's nice to have Bumeds tattoo waivers and shit in the pipe, oh, so that yeah. you you get random sure. contracts out of nowhere that you completely forgot about. You're like, oh, that kid stuff went through. I forgot I even talked to him three months ago. You know, yeah, so finally clear. Yeah, he's like, Oh crap. Yeah. And that's just like that's just an extra one you didn't even plan on. Now that's the thing too though. Don't plan on it. Because then you got some dudes who are like, Yo, I got three humans. I'm banking on that. No, you can't bank on that, bro. That's just, that's just <laughs> that's just free cheese. Like, yeah, Master Guns, I got three Bumeds up. Okay, and bro, I don't give a I don't care. Contracts for now, <laughs> like, bro, yeah, that nothing, bro. So call me when you got shippers. Yeah, it's a toss up. So um, so Fig, what what else you got for us, man? What uh, you got any stories, man? You got what's what's man, a good story? 
what's a good story? What's something that you that you genuinely loved about the duty? Something that you you know you remember, you miss? Like, do you have any good funny any kind of funny man, stories? Man, honestly, <laughs> funny stories, man. We'll be here for days. Honestly, like, I, I think a big thing was like the camaraderie that we had in that office, man. Like, that helped a lot of us individually and collectively. I think that we're all in the suck together, but you know we worked hard, play hard. So when that Thursday was over. Numbers were in. Oh, we were turning up. We were acting like we were in on recruiting duty, you know. So I mean, I think at the end of the day, what it really boiled boiled down to was really the people around us that you know made sure we became successful and made sure that the team was successful. That's for the camaraderie with that. My first office was freaking great. Um, when we were, I was a recruiter. Um, yeah, so what happened? What happened with the when you became the staff or like when you became so, the staff in CIC? How'd that go? So leading up to that, um, you know, I was kind of telling you like I actually tore my ACL and MCL. Oh yeah, yeah While yeah. I was out there, and mm-hmm. it was literally a month before I was gonna take over an off. Well, yeah, about a month or two. Um, we had an all hands event, and we were playing football. My cleat got like stuck with the turf. And my knee just like popped, like it was just that a jerk motion, and my leg was stuck. My body was going one way, my my bottom leg was going a, def- a different way, and it just popped. So that's how I tore my ACL and MCL. And so I was out for a couple months because you know surgery and then recovery. But once I recovered well enough, then that's when I took over that office, which was in the northern part of uh, Illinois, Mount Prospect, actually. So when you talk about, like, recruiting, like, individually, it's one thing. But now when you become a boss, it's a whole different spectrum because it's not about you anymore. Essentially, it's, like, now the whole team. So it, it's when you talk about that whole team effort, now it's on you. So my biggest thing with that, like, taking a big opportunity like that was when my master guns, my RI, which I fucking loved, he was great, when he – gave me the opportunity when he was like, hey, I want you to run an office. I believe in you. That kind of like motivated me to like, all right, I, I, I believe I can do it, you know, because as, as you know, the struggles and everything as becoming a boss, it's a, it's a big what if, like, mm-hmm. you know, what if I don't succeed? What if I do? It's, it's yep. a whole different ball game. So, you know, when he gave me that like word of confidence and me again, going back with, I don't believe in failing and quitting and all that. I was like, man, I have to do this because what if I leave this duty and I never, and I never find out if I was successful or not as a boss. Yeah. So, you know, and and it's also, it's also not to interrupt you, but it's also a a lot of great recruiters aren't good bosses. It's a very different Mm -hmm. life, you know? So that's another thing too, is you see these guys you think are going to be killing it as bosses. And then all of a sudden they become bossy. You're like, bro, this dude doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know, you know. And and that's the thing about it too is like that's the other, another problem with with recruiting. And there's nothing you you could never change it. But staff and CIC course is only what two weeks long. Uh, like it, I think it was a week. Yeah, it's like a week, yeah, two weeks. Week, like it's yeah. not like in and, and like so you're learning all this stuff that's crammed in. And then, like my see now, my my boy, um, my boy Tony, he tells me he's like, listen, man, when I get a new staff in CSC, he's like, I try to, st-, he's like, I try to be, he's a, he's an RI, he's like, listen, man, I, I try to spend like a week to two weeks with that dude 
So I know I I know that I'm the one teaching him the good habits. So mm-hmm. like so that's and that's an important thing. So how did you feel like now having that on your shoulders? Like fuck, I can't quit. I've never quit before. This isn't the time. I gotta make it out of here. And like so, what what helped you with that? And how and how uh, was your time? Honestly, like because the office I was taking over had mm-hmm. had a bad rep. I don't know how it was for you, mm-hmm. but mine had a bad rep. Like I think they've gone. They went through like three or four bosses in like a two year span. So like mm-hmm. when I first got to recruiting, like it, that rep for that office was like bad already where like recruiters doing dumb shit you know yeah shit they shouldn't be doing bosses mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing right mm-hmm. so i was like all right i'm about to take over an office that like has a bad rep but with that the way i looked at it was like well i'd rather take something that's failing so i can make it better by something that was already failing if that even makes sense <laughs> yeah no, no no so it's not even in a bad way but it's the way i looked at it we're like at least if it progresses i know it's because i did something right so yeah, yeah. that was already more of a challenge with already taking it as a boss, right? Um, so it was definitely, you know, yeah, we did stuff. And so I see, you know, that course or whatever. But again, it was everything you pretty much already knew. So I didn't really learn nothing new. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they need to do that better, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot just being an A-gunner from my actual boss, the new boss that I got after the old one I had in my old office. Like, I learned way more from him. Like, he actually taught me A-gunner boss stuff. So I learned a lot from him that made me successful as I took the actual role. So, you know, having that pressure of like that office making mission on and off type of stuff and everything it had, I was like, all right, the pressure is on because now it's on me, all eyes on me and a new team, all of that. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to come here and try to change everything of how I used to run stuff in my old office because I was like, I never felt like that ever worked. I'm going to see how they operate. If there's some some stuff individually I don't like, I'll like, all right, why do you do this? All right, look, this is why I feel, you know, there's the MC4 coming in, right? And so, you know, that's how I would adjust. I wouldn't just be like, all right, I'm the fucking sheriff in town. This is how we're doing shit. This is how we're going to make it happen. I didn't do that. So I I believe because of taking that avenue of approach is why I became successful and why they they bought in. Because Mm. I was the new guy coming in, but they realized, all right, we're all, we're we're here. We're on one team, and he's he just wants us to make makes us successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I took that avenue, and as you know, the first month felt like it was the longest month ever. And coming into the story, so I had made mission right. The first month, I was like, "Fuck yeah, we made mission." First month, I'm like, "Suck it," you know. Mm-hmm. As I'm on my way to Maps to pick up the last kid, you know, it was mm-hmm. mission day too. I was like, hell yeah, picking him up. You know, you just in the zone. I park at MEPS. The liaison's like, hey, your guy's no good. I was like, fuck you mean? <laughs> yeah, I was talking right. about a mood change. I was those, like, are the, those were the worst <laughs> conversations. Bro. I was like, I was like, Gunny, I'm at the parking lot. They said we made mission. What you mean? He's like, nope. He's like, well, I'll tell you right now when you come up. I was like, oh, my. At this point, I'm just trying to. Stop every bone in my body from punching this kid in the face. <laughs> Yo, I right? swear to God, bro, so, this is the worst, bro. I tell you, I tell you a funny one after this. So I go up, you know, to the liaison office, and it was just him, and he walks out. The kid walks out, and I'm looking at him, and I'm just like, Ooh. I was like, I told him, I told him the same thing. I was like, I'm a, I would punch you right now if we weren't in here. And he's just like terrified. And I go in there, I close the door. I'm like, Gunny, what happened? He's like, you know, he just. He had he had already made it through with them. Like he was, you know, after he's just waiting to swear in. Mm-hmm. 
that he was at that point already. So I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, he did. He had additional disclosures. And I was like, like what? Because he hadn't told me anything. And I mean, I'm being honest. So I don't mind saying this. He was just like, oh, he, he came back after eating his lunch. And he was like, oh, you know, I just feel like I have to get, be honest. And well, I had taking shrooms once and I had to go to the ER. I was like, what? Bro. I was like, what fucking white light from God, Jesus himself told you, like, I'm going to be honest all of a sudden. because About that one thing. Right, all of a sudden. <laughs> so at that point, what I'm thinking is, like, you never wanted to be a Marine. That's what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Because mm -hmm. why else? You make it through the whole process. Yeah, and then, and, you, and, and then you go eat lunch, and you're, you're done good. for the day. And you now in. all of a sudden, yeah, that's some, that's some fishy so shit, So before you tell your story, what, yeah, that yeah, realized, yeah. what that made me realize, though, too, is it just goes back to, again, it starts with you. I yeah, I get it. The recruiter, there's their part with like, you know, briefing them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're the last line of defense before mess. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, what did I miss for my screening? Exactly. That, that's what, that's, yep. what, that's what my lesson go was. Back to the, go back to the drawing yeah. board. I was pissed at it, all day. <laughs> it's easy to be pissed at somebody else, but it's yeah. like, fuck. What could have I done? What could I have done better? Yeah. Again, well, know? that's why. That's why I always so so funny story. So my boy, the one I was telling you about before, about how uh, how his his girl went up on deck and said, "Oh, I had a beer when I was nineteen, mm. and, and she's underage, so now she got to get a psych consult." Right. The funny part is, two days ago, he was like, "Yo, I'm sending my girl up. She's gonna give me the option. It'll be my fourth one for the month." I'm for. I'm like, bro. Stop saying you're. I'm like so. I'm. I'm. I. I believe in positivity, and I believe in, you know, putting shit out there, right? right. But you don't ever do that when it comes to freaking people going on deck. That is just something you don't do. You don't count your chickens till they're dead. Now, mind you, a lot of people don't understand that when I say that they're like, don't count your chickens till they're dead. That's just dumb. That's not the saying. No, no, no. It is. No. So the reason why the reason why you don't count your chickens till they're dead is because listen. You got the egg, right? Then the shell. Then the shit hatches, right? So the egg in the shell is the kid that you just met. Kid just became an NWA. All right. Then he comes out the shell. No, he yeah, he already hatched. Now when he hatches, he becomes that pool lead, right? Then he's a little chicken. He's a little chick. And he's a pool lead, you know, flourishing, living his life. Then he goes to boot camp. And now at that point, you just don't care no more. So now this now all the way through this whole entire evolution, that dude's just done. He's you know he made it out there. You love him, all this stuff. But now you don't gotta worry about him. He's just out there. So people be always be like, oh, I'm gonna count my chickens. Oh, this is good. This is good. No, that's not good. It's not because guess what? He doesn't. I'm not saying you don't matter. I'm just saying that until he is a shipper and until he's a graduate of boot camp. Don't be getting all happy about it because you're like, yeah, it's like, bro, hold on a minute. It don't stop. It doesn't stop because now you got to get this through, through through the whole cycle. But um, but now, nah, man, it's 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 funny that you say that because I had this kid, bro. I oh my gosh, man, I wanted to murder this dude. So this dude, um, so I'm, and I and I know where I went wrong, and I know now now later on I know where I went wrong, right? So talking about having to fix yourself, so. So I was the I was the kids recruiter, driving him to Fort Hamilton, driving him to Meps, and um, it's freaking like four thirty in the morning, and I was like, hey man, I was like, you ever see the movie Tommy Boy with Chris Farley? He's like, nah, what's that? I was like, oh, great movie, man. I was like, yo, you're gonna you're going, this is an inspector, you're gonna ship on Monday. I was like, let's just watch this movie on the way in, and I'll give you a quick brief. So all right, so we watch this movie, bro, laughing, hour and a half driving, 
you know, we hit a little bit of track of it in the morning, whatever, and we're laughing our asses off. Watch. So then all of a sudden the movie ends, we pull up to maps, and I don't give him my normal my normal traditional long ass brief. I just give him like a quick like mm. Hey man, you're good. There's nothing wrong with you. You told me there was nothing wrong with you. Da da da. You shouldn't say nothing. That was it. So I didn't like grill him. I didn't go at him. So kid goes on deck, and uh, because like when you go to normally when we go to the Memphis in <clears throat> in New York, we don't drive back because of the amount of traffic and shit. So we just stay out there and we just wait until it's over. So um, and because of tolls and shit. So whatever. So <clears throat> I'm sitting there. I'll make it CCs, whatever. And normally, like, uh, inspectors is done at, like, 12, 31 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, so I go in the building, um, and I see my CO. I'm like, hey, what's going on, sir? He's like, what's good? I was like, not much, sir. I was like, just picking up my shipper, you know? <coughs> and and my boy, my boy's like, all right, man. I sit down, whatever. So I'm sitting down, and um, I guess my boy didn't realize, because when, you're, when they're doing the brief, you're not supposed to be in the room. So, like, the recruiter's not supposed to be in the room. I guess my boy... My boy was the he was the liaison. I guess he didn't realize that I didn't leave the room. And he starts going over the paperwork with the kid. And uh the kid all of a sudden, all of a sudden my boy looks at him and he goes, He goes, Yo, what's what's that scar on your arm? <clears throat> and the kid just looks at his arm and goes, Oh, I broke my arm when I was 16. I was in a cast, I, w- I had a cast off for like six months. <clears throat> and my boy and my boy's just like, You sure? He's like, because I don't see that here. He's like, none of your paperwork has nothing about that. And the kid's like, yeah, bro, I remember that shit like it was yesterday. I fell down the stairs. I put my shit in the cast. My mom had to rush me to the ER. Oh. And the guy was like, oh, well, yeah, well, what hospital? He's like, oh, Freehold, Freehold. Yeah, yeah, Freehold Medical Center. I remember, I remember that. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good hospital. It was a good time. He, and then my boy's like, you remember what you ate? He's like, oh, yeah, I remember I had, you know, Jello and this, this, and the third. And the kid's like, so my boy's like, so you... So why didn't you say nothing? He's like, oh, I thought I did. And he's like, he's like, bro, the paperwork, he shows it to him. He's like, bro, it doesn't say nothing here. He's like, oh, I must have forgotten. He's like, I don't know how I forgot that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was 16, he tells him again for like a fourth time. So I'm just sitting there, bro. My head, I'm just like, bro. I'm like, he said bro, he was a shipper? To sh-. Yeah, he was a oh, shipper. I was like, bro, you're supposed to ship. I'm like, bro, I'm barking out. Like, I'm about to just attack myself on the inside, bro. Like, I'm like, bro. I'm like, bro, I'm gonna get a call. I'm like, the CEO's on deck. The CEO was in the room. So he just so he just heard this whole shit happen. I'm like, bro, I'm like, come on, man. So I'm like, my boss is gonna call me. He's gonna chew my ass out. Then after he calls me, I'm gonna get a call from the RI. Then I'm gonna get a call from I'm like, bro, I'm just thinking about the the level of shit that I'm now living in. And I was like, all right. So I so I look at my boy, I'm like, yo, I'm like, bro, what can we do? I was like, what do I got to do? I was like, it's, it's 11.30. I was like, I'll fly to freaking Jersey right now. I'll get whatever medical documents. Like, can this kid still ship on Monday? And he's like, listen. He's like, I'm going to call upstairs to the doctor. I got a hookup. He's like, if you can get me all of the medical documents about this broken arm. He's like, as long as it was, he goes, make sure it was broken. Because he's like, if it was like a fracture or a sprain, it's not that big of a deal. We'll get that shit right. the same day. He's like, we'll get it same day cleared. And the kid will be able to ship. 
So, bro, I take this dude, I bring him outside, I get in the car, bro. I, for the next hour and a half, I just oh, scream, bro. I'm just screaming God. at him, bro. I'm just, bro, I'm in the car with him. I'm like, you mother flipper. I'm like, bro, how do you not tell me that you broke your arm? I'm like, you never told me. He's like, Sass. He's like, Sergeant, I'm so sorry. Da, da, da. I'm flipping out on him. I'm bugging out on him. And then my boss calls me. So now he's bugging out on him. And then he's bugging out on me. So I'm like, I'm like, listen, Gunny. I'm like, listen, Gunny. I'm going to the, I was like, I already called the hospital. They already have the paperwork. I'm going to meet them downstairs. They're going to give it to me. I'm going to turn, <coughs> I'm going to turn right back around. I'm going to go, go back to, back to Brooklyn. He was like, all right, you better fucking go. Hurry the fuck up. So long story short, I go, I get the shit. This kid didn't even break his arm, bro. It was a freaking sprain. Oh, I'm like, bro, I just went through they all tell of you this. That when you I would, bro, no, they were like, we can't, we can't talk over, oh, we can't talk about it over the phone, da, da, da. And they and and they wouldn't fax it, so I was like, I had to go uh-huh. get it. So then I come all the way back, and my CEO's my CEO so Bennett, what happened? I'm like, I'm like, sir, it was just a sprain. And they were like, all right, well at least he's gonna ship. And then, bro, I got, bro, I got my ass reamed, bro. And I, bro, and then this dude actually now, he's a he's a corporal in the Marine Corps. He's about to be a sergeant, and he's now he's go he's about to do his, he's about to be a scout sniper. And I hit him hey. up like a couple nice. of days ago, and I w- I was just like, bro, remember that time you almost didn't become a marine? He was like, yeah, can we? He's like, can we not talk about that? I was like, bro, you wanna, just saying, bro, <laughs> bro, like yo, that dude caused me, oh, yo, like, just so you know, like you you pullies out there, like yo yo, y'all cause your freaking recruiters heart attacks, bro, like literally. Man. They they were the best and the worst thing that ever happened. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like going back to like the whole paying it forward. The reason why, at the end of everything though, was really just seeing that that change. Really, as much as like it can be corny, and mm-hmm. people say that, but like really just seeing how you take these individuals and they become Marines, and especially now me being in the back in the fleet, and mm-hmm. a lot of them are in the fleet now, and it, it's just awesome to know that everything you did, they admired and they they appreciated that. Anytime they'll like hit you randomly, like on Instagram. Oh, I, I told them, I, I would tell all of them, like, if you come back as a Marine, I will personally give you my number. So if you need to hit me up for anything, doesn't matter, yeah. questions, advice, blah, 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 like, you have that right. Mm-hmm. You know, just because, yeah, even though you put me through hell, maybe not everybody, but you know, you fucking made it, you deserve it. And if you ever need anything from me, you know, we're Marines, you know, this is what we do. This is yeah. not, it doesn't stop just because I was your recruiter or I, I was a boss and I sent you to boot camp. So I definitely firmly believe that. And, you know, because it's good hearing from them, honestly. Oh, yeah, bro. That's the Freaking best, awesome. man. Like, I, 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 at this point, I have a couple that are sergeants and I have a couple that are uh, meritorious. I had a, I think the coolest thing that I ever had, what happened was I had a, uh, I had one of my guys, I knew he was going to be on a grad, bro. Like, this dude looked like John Cena. And like physically, mentally, this dude was a beast, and I knew he was going to be an honor grad, and he was my first honor grad, and um, and it was such a dope, dope time, man. Meeting, you know, meeting the commanding general and being able to go out there and, and be there for that, and then uh, it, it was just a dope experience, man. And I remember I started running with the platoon, and all of a sudden he looks over at me, he's like, Sergeant Bennett. I was like, yo, what's up, bro? He's like, why the, why are you here right now? He's like, <laughs> bro, what? He's like, you're in green on green standing next to me and it's graduation day. Like, why are you here? Like, that shit was funny as hell, bro. Yeah, that's but badass. It, but the that's... coolest, But the coolest thing, though, 
was that my my drill instructor was back out there as a first sergeant and my wow. my so my yeah so my senior drill instructor was back out there as a first sergeant and then my the, the drill hat was out there as a sergeant major so i actually <laughs> ended up i actually ended up being able to sit down with both of them and bro it was the most not awkward but it was such a experience Man. in life because yes. i'm now i'm now a sergeant talking to a first sergeant who was my senior drill instructor and in my and in my head i'm like should i should i be saying i sir like right like <laughs> I, I still thing? i still felt like that i was like yo you still look exactly the same like i still remember you like and i told him some stories and he was like oh, i don't remember that he's like is that really what happened i'm like oh that's that's what happened first sergeant he was like well my bad <laughs> i was just like hey <laughs> but but i and that's the crazy thing man Definitely it's like perks let me let me it's, tell you like I, I had a good perk too like that's awesome like I uh, I honor grad but that's awesome you know like I I mean I, my guys were definitely fit you know obviously they made it through but you know that's awesome having an honor grad um I was killing it before I became a boss I was killing it as a recruiter obviously right and mm-hmm. I'm a big Cubs fan and I actually when we were deployed it was when the Cubs won the World Series so I missed okay. out on that oh man. Um, I'm a big Cubs fan, you know, whatever. I'm just doing my job as a recruit, you know, nothing crazy. And my master guns calls me, it was like July time frame. Hey, Fig, what's up? I'm like, I do a master guns, you know, I'm just, you know, hooking and jabbing, you know, the usual. He's like, hey, you a Cubs fan? I was like, hell yeah, master guns, you serious? He's like, how would you feel to be the hero of the game for the Cubs? I was like, no fucking way. Cause I've always seen that before, you know how like you go on the on the like the field, they put you mm-hmm. on the jumbotron and all that stuff. Yeah, I was like, I was like, stop playing with me, Master Guns. You know I'm a, I'm from here. I'm a Cubs fan. He's like, I'm serious. Freaking next month, you're gonna be the hero of the game. I was like, it was like jaw dropping moment when I heard it. And, and when I tell you this experience was out of this world, I didn't even, to like even experience it or take it all in was crazy because. We were, like, fourth row from, like, third baseline. And it was mm-hmm. in between the innings. It was the, the the lady that was in charge was like, hey, you ready? I was like, oh, it's fucking go time. I'm in my blues, you know? And, you know, people that were there, like, in the crowd, they didn't know what I was doing. So, they, you know, obviously they saw me in uniform. There was everything. And as I'm walking down the field, everybody's just like, oh, he's going on the field. Oh, he's going. Everybody's just, like, in shock, you know? And... Mm-hmm. So here, here are the most try not to make it awkward 30 seconds of your life, you know, as you're waving into the camera and everybody, they're reading like your little bio, like, I don't even know how many people Wrigley holds, but like, you know, 20,000 people just cheering, clapping. Oh, shit. Like, man, I'm just like, what is happening? I was just, you know, I'm smiling like I never smiled before in my life. <laughs> I'm just like, I got a video of it, so it's, it's, it's awesome. Forever be in my, in my memories. And um, the best part about it, too, was, I mean, to top that was uh, as I was going to sit back in my seat, the lady gave me a baseball. And I thought it was just like a game ball, you know, but it was actually Kyle Schwarber, who's one of the coach players. And oh, I was shit. like, man, this day just got even better. That's and dope. The rest of the night was even better because I know now I know how females feel at the club. When everybody buys you drinks, I felt like <laughs> I swear. But after I sat down, I'm telling you, there was guys like, you know, giving me monies for the next rounds. 
went to the bars and after that, oh, my, it was. I mean, so people out there don't think there's perks in recruiting. This. Oh, but bro, it's bro. So it's, you meet there's, if you don't. <laughs> the problem is, is that people just don't know how to. People don't know how to network. Facts. So if you if you don't if you don't use Marine Corps recruiting duty to literally network, you're crazy. Because bro, the amount of people, the amount of bar cards. bro, the amount of bar owners that I've met, the amount of restaurants that I've met, the amount of business owners I've met, bro, the car dealers that I've met, yeah. the the amount of Marines oh, that own the amount of Marines that own businesses that now we're That's literally true. gonna hook you up, or the amount of times like bro, the amount of times I've been wearing like a Marine Corps hoodie or something, and some random dude at the bar is like, Hey, you know what? Let me pay for oh. dinner with him and his family. Yeah. Like you know, like, bro, there's just so many. And again, we don't do it for that. For but sure. it's just so it's if you do, if you don't take the time to meet and greet and meet people, you're losing out because you can meet those politicians, those governors, those mayors. You can meet those people who have a moment to change things. If there's an issue with the education system and you see things going on, go talk to somebody about it. You know, get in their head, have a conversation with them because you'll never know who one person knows. Like I ended up, exactly. uh, I ended up going. I went to Manhattan for a uh, for a gala, and and we there was it was a Marine Corps memorial thing, um, and there was a scholarship foundation, and there was people like, dude, I had no idea. You remember? You ever watched the uh, the show NCIS? Yes. You know yeah. Ducky, the guy Ducky, the 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 scientist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's a mm, bro. Did second. you know he's a Marine? What? Yeah, he was a Marine way back. <laughs> no, I didn't. And um, yeah, I met him. And then um, you ever see that movie that that you ever see that TV show, The Wire? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guy, the main character in that, is also a Marine, and I met him that what night. The hell? And then when I met him, I met this other dude. He was just a civilian, but he knew them because he served with them, and that's how he got them to be at the gala. And I ended up talking to him, and I find out that my wife is his kid's daycare teacher. And <laughs> and we just start get to talking and he's like, yeah, I own he's a guy uh I work I work closely with the Somerset Patriots, which they're like a small minor league baseball team. But he ended up getting us he got the whole he literally could have gotten the whole state free tickets. And he ended up, you know, he was like, hey, I'll have you guys come and we'll do, you know, I'll pay for the food, I'll pay for the meals and all this stuff. And it was literally just because I had a conversation with his wife and who and then we ended up finding out that my wife was their daycare teacher That's and crazy. yeah and then i ended up meeting more more marines that were um like past and future like uh past and present marines that were like famous people it was bro so That's dope bro awesome. we were in manhattan at this gala bro bro so bro food Drinks, gala, like, that's it, fancy. Bro, it was, it was so, yeah, bro. I, I've never been to a gala before. I didn't even know what the hell a gala was. Yeah, bro, that's shit, bro. That's what I'm saying, man. Like it's when so people say, when people say stuff like, "Oh, we're recruiting," I'm like, bro, listen, man. You just and when Doing I hear, right. when I hear the horrible stories, man. I, I, but you never, you never hear anybody say, "Oh, well, I was a shitbag." Oh, well, I was a bad recruiter. Like yo, when you tell me I hated recruiting duty, okay, what was your APR? Let me find out first. Let me find out what your APR was. Yeah. <laughs> let me see your numbers, bro. Let me look you. Let me look you up with my Chris. I'm gonna call my boy. I still right got access. Yeah, I'm about to find out. <laughs> yeah. Like yo, I'm about to start looking up every 8411 on that freaking Facebook oh, page. Oh my god. Like yo, you were trash, bro. You were yeah. You were a .5 hey, recruiter, this recruiter. Bro. That's why you it? hated it. 
Bro. Yo, that is accurate. I've and I I understand that now because of finishing recruiting. I'm like, this is the ones that hated it because they suck. Yeah. It makes sense. It, bro, it honestly, you couldn't go home. Bro, why you couldn't you think, go home? That's why, like, when they <laughs> ask me now, when they ask me how recruiting was, you know what I tell them straight up? Mm. I literally tell them, like, you know, like how I was telling you earlier, like Ortiz that's about to go to recruiting school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Individuals that are recruiting right now. I'm like, look, if you, first of all, I actually be like, hey, if you need any help, any advice, anything, like, yeah, yeah I get it. You, you have a st- staff into IC and I get that. I'm like, I'm not going away from him but like if you need help or anything hit me up yeah that's yeah. number one i and, and because matter. and the reason why you gotta hit people up like us is like my my boy i was talking about masculinity about it <clears throat> and he was like you know why because i've had a lot of people reaching out to me and he was like you know why people are hitting up hitting you up i was like why's that masculinity he goes because he goes you're not in their office he's like you you're coming at them with at a with another light and you're not judging them and you don't know what's going on so they're coming to you in a in a because they feel like they can talk to you because if they do go to someone else it might be it might not be the Just same place and and also you're giving them advice from wherever so it's like you're right. saying like were you talking to Ortiz or or like when Ortiz hits the streets he's going to call me he's going to call you because we've been mentors to him and guy and guides throughout his career so that's right. what people should be doing is that because exactly. if you uh, it's like we were talking about in the beginning, if if it was the opposite way. Right. So Ortiz has known you. You're you're his what his his staff sergeant. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's not. My OK, platoon, but, yeah, but you know him, right? Exactly. So you've known him for how long since he's been in, to be honest. I want OK, say. so yeah. you've known him for that long. Right. So now if he if you got off the streets, you came back and, and Ortiz was like, yo, so how was it about to go? And you were like, yo, that shit was booty. Da, 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 da. <laughs> now, what would that do? He would literally oh, take the he would take yeah. the guidance from his staff sergeant that he's known for years, and he would take it as doctrine, and he would say, "Oh, well, it's going to be it's shit for me. suck for me too." But yep. because you're saying, "Hey, listen, it's going to be what you make it," and as long as you have a positive attitude, you're going to kill it out there. Now he's like, "Yo, my man, freaking Fig said I can do it, and I believe in him because I because he's he he hasn't been wrong about me since forever." So now it's a totally different totally spectrum different going spectrum. out there. Yep. And and you could tell too, like even when you base that advice, it body language. So it, it goes with like if I would have been mm-hmm. like, oh that shit sucked, yep, yep. and he's coming at you like, oh you know I'm about to go out there, and it could be that level of excitement, and then you're like, nah that shit was trash. This yep. Night. You're gonna see him be like, damn. Bro, bro he's gonna right. walk all solemn. And, you're gonna be oh, like, yo, I was excited, bro. Yeah, that shit, and he'll very he's something else. I told you, you really know how he is. But yeah, yeah. you know, and that just goes because like how I am and how, and how I've always operated with anything that I've done in the Marine Corps has been like, all right, take it with a grain of salt. But I've always said this though too: the good has always outweighed the bad. Amen. So, and, and as much as recruiting was to me and everything, like turning my ACL, MCL, doing all that, there's always the good though. Having these young individuals change their lives, me being home for those three years that I was grateful that it was a Saturday. And okay, maybe I didn't have to work so late, but I was able to spend time with family. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really knowing that the all around thing of like recruiting wasn't that bad. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's what you make of it. Yeah. It's gonna be tough, but you need to understand that it's gonna happen. How the only way to change that is having to come the next day with a different attitude. Because guess what? In in, rea- in reality, we're doing the same shit, you know, TC and DC, AC, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But if you come with the attitude, and I think you said earlier, we're like, oh, this just sucks. Oh, 300, however many days left. And you're just making it like a check in the box. You're going to mm-hmm. be miserable because you you have that mentality. And you're not making it any better for yourself or 
when you're talking to these kids because in the back of your mind, all you're thinking about is the negativity. Yeah. Oh, he's probably going to say and, no. Or and, yeah, and, and, and on top of that, too, it also is uh, it comes from a place of the staff NCO. If the staff NCO, I see he's walking in the office every day like, yo, you know, this is going on and this is going on. Like, that's why you got to deflect. And again, this is me talking because I, I've dealt with it. And a lot of times I, I failed. But you have to you're the person who's supposed to be the barrier between them and the command. You have to be oh, able to deflect the thing away sure. from them. So, you you know, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, bro, I felt sort of that, you know, I would there, there was things that I I shouldn't have shared with my guys, things that, you know, I, I shouldn't have brought up. Um, and I and I did. Um, but I learned now that, nah, there's some things that got to be kept, you know, between yeah. me mm-hmm. and um, or my A gunner even. Um, but, but that's the thing, man, is, is it, is it all starts from that. You have to create that culture of winning because a problem in a lot of these offices, like the office that I just left, bro. So I made mission. So you were asking like, it's a little bit about me. So I made mission for like, I think 10 months straight at an office. So there was an office where I was a recruiter at when I left, we were number two in the state. Then the guy took over and he took them from number two in the state to number 14 in the state. <clears throat> the new boss that took over. So then I left and I went to I went to become a staff in CIC. And then like six months later, I told my new CEO, I was like, hey, sir, I want to go back to back there and I want to make things right. I want to fix it. I was like, they, I know they're, they're I was like, we've always killed it. I was like, they have always historically killed it. It's a powerhouse in New Jersey. I was like, I know that if I go back, I can do it. So long story short, through COVID, I made missions for not nine, ten months straight. <laughs> then I ended up getting fired because I missed the mission one time. Um, and uh, but the reason why I bring this up is because when I went back into that office, I literally told all of those Marines. I literally and some of them I knew, but I was like, listen, we need to have a winning mentality. So I literally told them, I was like, listen. If you write your contracts, if you write a I, I made rules. I was like, listen, my, and my boy, my boy Gunny Ujama told me this. He was like, listen, when you go in there, he was like, write down a template and write down rules and then have every one of them sign it so you can hold yourself accountable. I was like, well, what do you mean rules? He was like, bro, when you wrote a contract, oh, what, shit, happened? what happened? He was like, what happened when you wrote a contract? I was like, nothing. I wrote another contract. He was like, exactly. He's like, so you never have. I, like, I don't know what happened. Oh, you can't hear me? Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Shit. Can you hear me? Nah, I can't. I can hear you. You can't hear me? What the... So the rules were that if you wrote one contract, you got to go home. Now, here's the thing, though. So if you... Then what I told them was, hey, so you write one contract. The moment that I get to call your kids good, come pick them up. You either have one, you have two choices. Either I go do the MEPS run, I pick the kid up, you go home right there at that time, or you go get the kid, take your pictures, bring the kid home, brief him, and then tomorrow you get the whole day off. Then if you write two, it was the same thing. It was you get another day off. Then anything after two, now it was, okay, If you once you write your two for the month, you now have weekends off for the rest of the month. No matter what, you have weekends off. Even if the rest of us are working, you wrote your two, you have weekends off guaranteed. Then if you wrote a three, then it was, I would give you like two or three days off to include the weekend. Then if you have four, if you got four, I would tell you to submit a week of leave. 
and I would call the CEO and I would tell the CEO to, to I would ask him, but hey, sir, can you? I would call the sergeant major and the CEO, but hey, he just wrote me four. I need you to give him a week of leave. Or I would just have conversations with the CEO and be like, hey, sir, I'm just going to let him go for a week. And they would let that happen. And what this did was it literally just created this culture of winning. Like, I literally tell you, bro, I literally, my boy ended up writing like three or four bats back to back and he hadn't written bats. And then all of a sudden he was like, wait a minute, if I write a bat, I'm going to get a week off. He's like, bro, I got you. <laughs> and then he ended up literally, he ended up writing six in one month. And literally it was just because no one had created, no one ever gave them a reward for overachieving. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, just give me more, give me more, give me more. And so that's why I'm saying like that, that boss, that, that guy who's in the charge of the office, you got to have it. There has to be a reason for them to be there besides mm-hmm. the fact of, like just being at work to make TCs all night because you don't want to go home to your spouse because you don't like your family. Like, bro, at the end of the day, bro, if you're at work past nine o'clock, there's something wrong because you're not doing nothing productive past that time. I keep saying that to everybody. That's the reality oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. Like working these people, bro, that's why you have car accidents. That's why you have all these things happening with govs, people falling asleep at the wheel. Like it happens all over the place. And no one, no one realizes. Oh shit! You know what? They're supposed to get eight hour, a minimum of eight hours of sleep a day. And thinking about what would happen if that happened to the fleet, like there'd be a lot of problems. But um, yeah. So, so really, what I want to kind of just cut it up with, man, this we, bro, we've been going for two hours. This is an awesome episode. I think um, I really Definitely. feel it. I, I like it. I think it was a great opportunity to talk to you. But what I really kind of want to just end it with, man, is um. What do you feel like you left with? You know, you when you came out here, how did you feel? And then how did you feel leaving? What did you gain from it? Um, and, and you know, and, and what do you feel, you know, did it help you become a better leader? Did it help you become a better, a better person, a better father, a better husband? Because now you're a father, right? You had kids on the duty? I did. I have two daughters, actually. Yeah, so that's a that's a tough. Bro, I had both of my kids on the duty, bro. That's the toughest thing ever, bro. Yep. Being on, being on, and 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 you know the problem is, is spouses just don't get enough credit. You know they don't from the command, from the people. Like they just don't get enough, man. Like, and you know they 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 don't leave with a ribbon. They don't leave with you know it doesn't. It's just they just leave with no one. They were there for you. I mean, but um. So tell us a little bit about that, man. Like, how do you? You know, what do you feel now that it's over and now you're back to the fleet? Like, how how's that doing? Man, I think, honestly, <coughs> overall, the three years, definitely. Um, I think it just really tested my mental ability. And uh, it just proved to me what I said all along with, like, not quitting, you know, and just knowing that how tough it was going to be and uh, that there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. So I think that was the biggest thing is just knowing that yeah, independent Billy, yeah, but it's also a team effort. But um, what I gained from it was really uh, – it just made me expand my leadership more, for sure, where before my early stages of my career, like uh, taking a leadership role was not really something I wanted to do. So knowing how far I've been in the game and when those leadership roles come up, I'm willing to take it because of what the Marine Corps has taught me. So with recruiting, that's pretty much what it did. It just enhanced that even more as once I became a boss, honestly, and the rewarding part of, you know, successfully completing it and knowing that I was able to do it. So 
I, I gained a lot of knowledge. I gained a lot for me. I gained a lot of respect for 12s as much as we talk about them. But it's just like, because this, this is a whole different beast. So if you want to be a 12, God bless you, but no thing. You know? Yeah. But it um, is, it really is a different, it's, it's a different. different world, man. It's a, bro, like, my, I was just talking to my boy. Um, <clears throat> I stopped by to my old RSS yesterday, my old RS yesterday, because I was on base. I had to go to hit the bank, and I was just talking to my dude, and like, bro, like, you could just see in his face, like, he's, he's the op chief, and you could just see in his face, he's just like, bro. And he was like, oh, yo, I'm just trying to be home by 9 o'clock every night. And this dude lives in, he lives in, I think, the Bronx. So he has like an hour and a half drive to and from work every day. And he he's straight out. He's like, bro, I, I know this. He's like, as much as you guys don't think that we that we know the struggle, he's like, bro, we, we're, we're missing our families too. You know, he's like, we're, you know, not all of us, but some, you know, but the majority of us, you know, we, we're, we're missing the same things. We're missing the birthdays, the holidays, and and just be, and 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 he was one of the realest dudes that I ever that I ever messed with. You know, he would, bro. I can call him right now, and he answers. And I called him today. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be over there." He's like, "Yo, come come by. Let's chop it up. I haven't seen you in a couple of months." And and he's just you know one of those real dudes who you know. And the, and the thing too, man, is that you know he ended up. I think he got like two or three bachelor's degrees while he been on the duty and shit. And like and he and he bro, one of the smartest people, like real smart dude, like just a real encouragement. And he's a, but he's a real dude. Like he's a real, he's from, he's from New York. So he has me and him, you know, had that same mentality, just the way he talks. Like, bro, he'll, he'll be good with you. He'll be chopping it up with you in a minute. But then all of a sudden, like, yo, you say one wrong thing. It's like, yo, like you're going to be about to get the, like the, the light of the lights about to come at you, bro. Like that's my man though. But, um, but all right, man. Well, Hey, listen, man, I'm, you know, I definitely have you back again because for other conversations, and I definitely want to be on your podcast. Um, for sure, I, I, I really appreciate you know what you're doing out there, and and you know it's just it's just glad to see another leader out there doing doing great things and and telling the good parts about it, and that's why that's why I started this because uh, I feel like too many people just talk trash about the the about it. And, yeah. And the reality of it is, man, is that without the Marine Corps recruiting, we wouldn't have the Marine Corps. It's just reality of it. Yeah, like, exactly. And and you have to, you know, and and but another thing too, just real quick before I forget, is I think that somebody needs to take a look at what the hell they do when and who they choose to put on this troop, who who they choose to go to BRC, because they tell you this this thing that oh, it's the top ten percent in the Marine Corps. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Mm-mm. Like y'all, y'all be picking some dudes that like that that sit behind a cubicle and don't know how to speak to a freaking three year old. Like no personality. Yeah, like no personality. And I and I get it. Like we're you know it's, I get what it's supposed to do. I get what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to you know show us that we can you know work within without our limits and do different things. I get that. It's it's good for progression. I get that. But yeah. bro, like you know some of these these, these uh, what do you call it? Who's the guy? The uh, not the career planner, but like the guy that like you that deals with where you go and shit. Like, which what's that guy? Oh, uh, monitor. Yeah, your monitor. Like that monitor, bro. He should be able to say, you know what? I don't think he should go over there. Like, uh, I think they like, need to do like some something. Like, the bro, screening, like, but like do like one on ones. Bro, it's something, like something, bro. I don't know. You're not man, gonna succeed. Some, I'm telling you, bro. Because, right <laughs> yeah, like, bro, some of these dudes, it's like, Save bro, the career by yeah, that. Yeah, bro, it's like, yo, you need to like, go MCT route. 
bro or or it's like or even like it's sometimes it's messed up because like i had a friend of mine who no bro this dude literally no lie bro this dude put on his paper i saw the paperwork dude he literally put on a, on his paperwork all of the financial issues he was having he was having all these problems when he when he when he got out there and before and they still put him on the duty and they were like and the thing was is that he was living in i think it was arizona and he had and he had a and he had a bind name request to go back home to where he was from, right? And it was in Arizona. And he had explained he was a Spanish speaker, and he had explained to the command, like, if I go anywhere else, I'm not gonna be due to the BH, I'm not gonna be able to make my bills. And I had a lot of thi- unforeseen things happen in my life with, with medical bills and, and stuff like this. That like if I go anywhere else besides where where I have the Biden name request, like it's gonna screw my family up. Like I can't do this. And no lie, they told him all the way up until a district assignment day that he had that Biden name request. And then all of a sudden they chose they chose some other Spanish dude. And wow. and he literally was like, yo, like you don't understand. Like if if and he showed his his instructor, like he showed him the bank statements, he showed him everything. And I'm not gonna go any further, but a lot of crazy stuff happened. And um he never bro, he had a ninety-nine all I'm gonna say is he had a ninety-nine percent in the class. He had every literally he got one question wrong on the whole and after every test, he only got one question wrong. Dang. Yeah, he was, and he would have killed it on the streets. But some, he he did something to make sure that he wasn't going to screw his family over, and uh, he ended up getting out of the Marine Corps, and he never became a recruiter. And uh, you know, now mind you, do I think what he did was right? It, it is what it is. Um, but again, I think that if the Marine Corps had done a better job at like we mm-hmm. have we have financial statements for a reason. That's part of the package for a reason. It is, so yeah. if if these if these leaders, you know, had done a better job or his leaders, it's so you know, there's so many people out there whose part it was to fix this and make sure it didn't happen. But that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like I feel like somebody up there, like some commanding general or somebody gotta be like, yo, let's think about a better opportunity here because just some of the people that are on this duty should never have been put on the duty. Like it, it, it's just some some of them should have never. But then at the same time too, though, it's like you don't know. You have yeah. no idea because then you got some dudes who come out on the duty and you're like, yo, if you were this much of a dirtbag here, then what were you doing in the fleet? Like what were you hiding in the fleet? Oh like, my and, gosh. and all the and all the time, like you you have these guys, you know, because bad things happen on recruiting duty. People do mm-hmm. things they shouldn't do, and then you're like, hold on a minute, you just got outed. So what were you doing for the past twelve years? You were in the Marine Corps, like, and it really makes you think that, like, yo, this dude got hit up for doing this or whatever it is, and you're like, wow. So what else were you doing in the Marine Corps before you got caught? And it's it sucks, man. It just I think. I don't know. I think that there could be a lot better ways of doing things. But again, I'm I, I don't I get it. I don't see it from the lights that they see it from. Yo, so I just want to say thank you for coming out, man. I know we've we've lost the connection a couple of times, but hey, at the end <laughs> of the day, this, this is what's gonna happen. Um again, I just appreciate you. I'm glad that we got linked up by my man by my man Ortiz. And um, uh, one of these days, I hope to maybe meet you and uh, kick it one of these days and uh, just go from there, man. Thanks again, bro. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. For sure, brother. Appreciate it again.